0: Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. One thing, Joseph, you are a little bit
1: on the lower side. Shut up, boy. Me. At least just yeah, touch this up a little. Yeah, fine. I'm, sitting, I'm sitting right here on
2: top of the
1: phone, okay. okay. Sweet. All right. Let's get started then. All right. Welcome to another episode of Free Fall RC Podcast. I'm Steve, and here with me is Kevin. Hey, guys. We have Andy. Hey now. George. Hello. And we have a special guest host, Alpha from Motion RC. Howdy, y'all. Hey. This is episode 217, Motion RC with Alpha. All right. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be a great episode. I know it. Uh, <laughs> let's catch up with everyone's week first. So who'd like to go first? I can go. Yeah. we well, of
3: course, you know, building some helis and stuff like that. Um, on of my ongoing projects, but uh, we had a work day this Saturday and got a lot done down here. Cut some trees down, and that was a that was an adventure. It started raining about halfway through, and we had everything but the worst limb of the tree cut. And it was probably about sixty feet, and uh, it was interesting. I took oh, a tumble. Boy. I took a tumble off of a ladder, and uh, oh, jeez. Did a double kind of like a, uh, action figure somersault deal. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, didn't get jammed up too bad. And, uh, was able to throw the chainsaw far enough away from it. That it didn't kill. Me.
1: Shit. Wow. Okay. That's at least good to hear. Wow.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, uh,
3: yeah, we got, we got a lot done. It We got a, got a, a lot clearer sky now. Awesome. Straight. Yeah. Nice. Straight up Straight out from the patio there, Andy.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool, nice. Well, good to hear you didn't, you know, hurt yourself. Yeah, God, that would have yeah. been bad.
3: Or yeah. you know, drop the drop the tree on my neighbor's house. It was actually their tree, but they've been wanting it cut down for a while, and we were tickled to get it down too. So that's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Trees but,
4: uh, are good, but they're they don't play well with RC aircraft.
3: Right, or you know. Small ranch house, you know. Uh, yeah, downwind of it, but uh, yeah, we were glad to get that done. Steve Hodges, RC jet dean, he came over, and his two of his boys came over and helped us, and uh, a couple more of the Tired iron guys. And other than the rain, it was uh, it was a really nice day. Then we got into a tank battle. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we had five <laughs> we had five of those new tanks, and we had them loaded with BBs and using the IR. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. We had two of the Tiger ones and, oh, I forget what one of them was. What's, what's the light, lighter weight? Uh, the Panzer, Panzer four. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, then I had, um, King Tiger and Steve Hodges had his uh, M1 Abrams and I'm, you couldn't walk in the hangar for all them yellow BBs. (laughs) It was, uh, (laughs) it was hilarious. yeah, we had a ball doing that, but I've been working from home and, um, you know, because of the, the, uh, the virus, I've been staying at, staying at home pretty much all the time, other than just to get out and maybe get some uh, drinks or something like that. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. But uh, other than that, just, you know, having fun this evening. My power went out. I'm talking to you now just on my iPhone. Uh, out here oh. in the, out here in the bomber RV, for uh, for power, so uh, that's uh, that's where we this week's ended up. Here we are.
0: Nice, nice. So,
1: who's next? Um, I could go next, I guess. So I f- I flew on Sunday. Uh, the weather was great. It was I don't know. Was, I don't know what's going on with our weather, but hey. The weekends have been great, and it's been very flyable weather, and I am not complaining. So uh let's see. So I brought the gasser out, and I brought my electric uh, Black Thunder 700 out. I did a couple of flights on the 700, but I really flew the gasser this time. I went through the rest of the gallon I had left over so and then filled up one more. So I think I went and did five flights on that. And I mean, you know what I love about the gasser, and and I don't know if it's a gasser or just my my setup, but like I have a pulse receiver pack. I did five flights. I looked at, I checked the voltage on the pack. It was 4.1. I'm like, really? Nice. After five, eight minute flights. How big is that pack? A 5,000. It's big. (laughs) Oh, well, that's (laughs) (laughs) wild. But still, like, you know, I can put a 36 on my Nitro and I'll fly like three flights and it'll be like 3.8. And I'm like, really? Dude, I was going to joke around and say five thousand. <laughs> yeah, wow, but, comically I mean, large. But you know, it's like I'll get like three or four flights on the Nitro for thirty six, and the five thousand, I can. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's just a setup. The uh, servers are different, and you uh, know, Steve, my,
4: you know, you've been wanting to put that thing on a diet, so you could cut yeah. your receiver pack by a third <laughs> and save a lot of weight. You know,
1: well, I got to make sure it's still CGs, right? <laughs> yeah, no, but At this point you know, it's almost like
0: flying an electric dude <laughs>
1: <laughs> The thing is is I have this five thousand pack that I first bought when I got into like nitros and I didn't know which one to buy, so I just bought a five thousand, right? I think I, I think because my friend recommended it when I was flying the um the Synergy N7 back in the day. And so I bought that pack and now like it won't fit on any of my it won't fit on yeah. any of my other um nitros or gas or so except for this gasser i mean so i was like oh i'll just use this pack and i'll never need to charge it you know <laughs> <these packs. laughs> charge it and fly all week <laughs> yeah literally it's like you charge it once and you fly the whole weekend like fly it a, at an event like i'll go to urcha i want to I want to actually test that right, yeah. Get there like whatever Tuesday, Wednesday, and just you'll be tired of flying it. I'll have to fly it a few times. (laughs) Kevin can fly it. I know (laughs) Uh, it'll be like the town slut. it will go around everywhere. (laughs) Everyone, piece of that. (laughs) But um, so uh, Sundays, and I only I only had to feel for like three hours. Because I've been cutting my field flying time down a lot just because there's been a lot of stuff I've been trying to do with the truck and and you know, my new truck and then like the house and you know, with this whole virus stuff going and working from home uh full time now, I wanna make sure like my work from home office is kinda nice, right? Like I want it to be nicer than what it was. So so I've been kinda putting more effort into that these days. Um I did buy some stuff. Uh-oh. Uh and I know I think I mentioned that I bought the, the Flex Innovation plane last week, right? All right. But so today, I first of all, okay, let's talk about that. I took shipment of that today, so it got delivered today. And I've been so busy at work, and I've been trying to concentrate and getting some stuff done um, that I actually haven't opened the box yet. And I'm I'm looking at it right now, and it's just like, it's like, why, why am I still in this box? Why don't you let me out? <laughs> you know, like I, I, I had a little voice in the back of my head like, oh, man, I really want to open it, but I'll wait. Um, and then last night, I don't know what got into me. I, you know, I, it was weird. Like I started designing the desk that I want to build for um, my home office here. Um, so I started designing in SketchUp and then I got once I got the desk design to a point where I'm like, Okay, I'm gonna build this, uh gonna get the wood tomorrow, start building this, you know, this week. I went on Amazon and I was like, you know, this whole hissing thing and not really the hiss from the, the comment, but more of like you know, you folks telling me like, Okay, yeah, sometimes my gain's too high and I get that little like buzz at the end when I stop talking, kinda like if the channel's closing kind of deal. And, and I was thinking I've had this setup for a while and it's kind of beat up. I've took it into fun flies and, you know, thrown it in the back of the car and the trunk and all this stuff. So, um, and the mic that I bought the Shure sm 758 I bought that used, you know, two years ago. So I, who knows how much life, you know, how much use this thing got. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know that this mic is a workhorse, but I feel like over time it's starting to just kind of get old and old. So. Um, I was looking on Amazon and I'm like, what can I get? You know, what's a good mic? And I ended up picking up a a Rode, um, pod mic or a podcasting mic or whatever with a new Tascam, um, USB podcasting interface where I can have little buttons and maybe put some sound clips on them and stuff. Um, a totally new, um, boom instead of my normal, like musical boom stand I have that like you use if you play guitar or musician. I got one that like will mount to the desk and have that like articulating arm and spring loaded stuff. Um so I'm getting kind of moving away from like the music equipment I have to actually more of that like podcast specific type of uh equipment. So you're uh, that's the short, road
5: podcaster? Sorry? The the road podcaster or the pod mic?
1: The pod mic. I'm trying the small one because I kinda like that form factor. You don't need a pop filter or anything because everything is suspended inside. So I kinda right, like right. the idea. And um the price point was very good. I mean, ninety nine dollars for a mic, you know, compared to the podcast, I think it was uh two ninety nine, I think, or three and change. So I figure let me like i I know Road makes good stuff. They're an Australian company, they make really good stuff, but I personally don't have any experience with that company, so let me kinda get in on their entry point and if I do really like it, maybe I'll upgrade to the uh podcaster.
5: You're gonna love Road, especially for the price that's got a three pin XLR on it, so it's good yep. quality. Mm-hmm. Right? Ninety nine dollars Amazon, I think, or pH
2: or
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's why ninety nine prime. Like I should be getting it sometime like tomorrow or the day after at the latest. And that's everything. Like I'll get the uh, you know, about new XLR cables and everything. I just Said, screw it, you know I got a little bit of a bonus from my job, and I'm like, let me just splurge a little, put a little bit of money into the podcast equipment, put a little money into my hobby, um, and then obviously into my other hobbies too. So, yeah. So nice, I, that's actually been my week. Nice. All right, gear well, up. You yeah. got me looking
0: at the microphone now.
1: <laughs> yeah, still- you need one too. You <laughs> every time you <laughs> touch it.
4: It's Is that a condenser mic, Steve, or a It's a cardioid?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so it's specifically meant for voice, specifically meant for podcasting or broadcasts um, level of uh, or quality, I guess, broadcast quality. So
2: yeah,
1: cool. Okay. Maybe I'll wait to hear how you sound on it. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I'll you know you, you live ten minutes away, you can come by and check it out yourself. I think the little USB task cam thing that I got, it's that's. I'm really interested in that thing too because this uh I don't know what what is this thing called the PreSonus audio box I one. I mean it's done well for 2 years but I don't know. I'm I'm not really enjoying the way that I have to have the gain set and everything for it so.
0: So you yeah. picked up something else along with the microphone
1: or you picked Yeah, up- I picked up a whole new thing. So basically my lap from you know the USB cord that goes to my laptop to what I speak into is all new. Oh okay. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah, and it only cost me like 200 bucks for all of them. Your US previous alarm. setup
0: was
5: all USB. You didn't have uh, XLRs.
1: Well, no. My mic like now? right now it goes into – it's an XLR mic, you know, the, the Shure SM58 into this little pre-Sonos interface box that will go from an XLR to a USB. So like an external sound card basically. Um yeah, so this this new stuff, uh, you know, Tascam, I mean, they've been around forever, right? So yeah. So I trust their equipment and their um you know, their quality. Um that wasn't even that expensive either. That was only like fifty bucks, but I'll try it out and see if they like it and I don't mind if I have to switch something out or some, you know, to get the best uh I could get. So Jeez, I remember recording
0: with the band back when Tascam had the four track recorders he used oh, to take yeah, the cassette tapes. Track. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was before digital, kids.
1: Way before digital. That before Sony Minidisc? Yeah. What?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was an actual cassette tape.
5: Yeah. Sticking your finger in the wheel to sort of spin when, when the tape comes out, you know.
0: Putting yep. the matchbook underneath the tape in the car so it would get louder. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I remember that was... all that crap. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, geez, I can go next if you want, Andy, or if you want to go, I don't care. Oh, no, you go. All right, man, dude. I, we had our Saturday night fly on Saturday, and yeah, uh, how was that? So, well, I didn't get to the field too early because of the night fly, and I brought um, brought my two standards that I'm bringing helicopter wise. I'm bringing the the logo six ninety and the oxy five, and mm-hmm. um, I brought the shrike and I brought the. The uh, night radiant and that foe thing that I have from RA4 oh yeah the nice. for, for the night flying you know
1: mm-hmm. yeah. and
0: uh, man I flew I flew a bunch of times the six ninety I wanted to get a couple flights in on that I haven't flown it that much but my god that oxy five dude just gets better every time I fly it's almost like you with the gasser Steve it's like I'm I'm finding that my man like that thing is so dialed in mm-hmm. and I was doing. I had, I had to, I did one flight and I was doing these crazy TikToks and I know you guys are probably like, what do you mean crazy TikToks? Um, I was, <laughs> for me, it's crazy. I'm, just, I'm doing tail down TikToks pretty bad and I'm, and I'm not bad, but pretty quick and, uh, I was rotating that tail 45 degrees one way, doing one, and then back the other way, doing another one, like 90 degrees. So now, like right. 45 to 45, back and forth and back and forth, to the point where now I'm laughing. Like I was like, holy cow. you like, and you're that thing is the,
1: just, the... So you're doing TikToks while the tail's going 45, 45, creating a 90 degree... Yeah. Yeah, like 45
0: one way, and then going back over 45 degree the other way, and then maybe... Maybe turning it a little bit, and doing some crazy, and then I'm getting too far to the left, and I'm banging it back over to the right, you know. And what is just that
1: called that—that's that, that's called something.
0: I don't know, but it was very aggressive for me to do because you know how I—I've been doing them. I've been doing yeah. them kind of slow and just getting it down. I guess I kind of got the timing quicker. So,
5: are you running five nice. hundreds or like are you up in five seventy millimeter blades?
0: This is a five fifty, right? Yeah, yeah. your five
5: fifties. Because the Oxy Five can run five seventies, I had heard, and I flew on the five hundred, you know, smaller uh, blade yeah. width, But yeah, and they yeah, can dialed in
0: with the stretch kit. They can do six something now, six twenty, I think. Yeah, yeah six
4: twenty-five.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh man, I was having such a ball, and I was laughing. I was having a good. Like I'm getting close to flying it the way I flew the Oxy Threes. Like I just don't really care that much and nice just whipping it around and having a lot of fun mm-hmm. with it, doing, doing some aileron TikToks, working those in and then moving right to tail down. And the last flight of the day, man, i I flew the second to last flight I flew and Mike was working on something. It was really, there wasn't many people at the field, obviously, because of the whole virus scare and all that stuff going on. And, uh, I said, Mike, I landed. I was like, Mike, did you see that? And he was like, no, I was working on this. I was like, Oh my God, man. Nobody sees when I do this crazy stuff. <laughs> and uh, he goes, You got another battery ready? I go, I do. He goes, Just go right back up and do it again. Just do exactly what you're doing. So I did. And he was standing next to me. Man, we were both laughing. we were just, we had a lot of fun, man, out there. And that was like, that was the last couple of flights I did on the helis before it got dark. And, mm-hmm. um, man, I flew the strike and I'd say this, whether Alpha was on the show or not, but that plane, man, for the money still amazes me at the engineering that went into that
5: oh that's my that's my little baby shrike is <laughs> it? anybody like it i really yeah.
0: do and it was great to bring the night radian out and compare the two like foam wise and engineering wise and i don't you know that the, the radian's a great flyer too i mean that thing the time cool. i was getting out of that is just ridiculous like and this time i kind of put another timer in on the shrike Uh, I have a, you know, I have a motor timer, a motor run timer, and then I just had a general timer, like, when I start, and I swear I was getting close to 20 minutes of flight time on the strike, just going up and then coming down, sometimes doing some quick passes, just going up sometimes and trying to catch thermals, and it was a bit squirrely wind, you know, at Mm -hmm. at the field on Saturday, and I was getting easily, like... Over 16, 17 minutes flight times with the Shrike, just, just tooling around. And that plane's a lot of fun. And, you know, like, like I said, it flew the Night Radiant. Uh, that's always a, a go to at night. And man, I, I did the, the Blue which is the RA Corps big giant plane, uh, that I put all the lights in and that flew really good too. I, I dropped the battery down to a 2200. I was running 3000 in there. And mm. the last time I got, we got together with Jason. And uh sorry Jason, I didn't clue you into this night fly this time. I wasn't really sure if it's gonna happen with everything going on. Uh, but that, that thing flies great. High alpha and uh it was a lot of fun. It was I had a I had a good time, man. Um, real good time. Didn't stay too late. We only stayed to like maybe eight thirty, I think. But my one of my notes in that I wrote was it's a shame that uh the I guess it's Horizon Hobby didn't put in the little quick disconnects for the lights in the wings of the uh of the FT um, night radiant because it, it makes it so much easier on the Shrike just to plug the things in and put the little, you know, little plastic uh, railroad connection down through. Yeah. Wireless connection. Yep.
5: Yeah. that's what we tried to do. It's, it's, I love hearing you go from TikToks and funnels to flying a Shrike and a radio. <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: Diversity. The plane is really, I mean, I had to, I think I had to dial in some elevator with the, with the motor initially and i de- I definitely did a little bit with the flaps but once i mean that's like kind of a normal setup and once i got that set up man that thing flew flew really good really good and i mean for the price you get the lights you get the the foam that it's made of is pretty heavy duty like i'm putting together the radiant time after time and i'm seeing creases in it but the shrike i'm not seeing that much you know dimpling on the foam or anything it's really um really good plane. i want to try out the other one that you guys uh came out with the havoc yeah i'm gonna try to try out that one of these days but uh that was my week i had a, i had a great time at the field It was good to see the guys and you know uh only saw maybe a handful like five guys were out but uh we still had some fun so go ahead andy tell me about the uh the week you had
4: well unfortunately i didn't get to do any flying this okay. week
0: who's next
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. <Damn>. <laughs> sorry. <laughs>
4: <laughs> eh, it's been rainy, and then I had stuff to do, and you know how it goes. Yeah, but you'll be proud. I did make progress on the barn, the Willy nilly Barnstormer <gasps> 250. Oh no, no way! Tell me,
1: no way. Yeah, my really progress is.
4: I mean I dumped it all out on the table and spread it out. It something.
1: Yeah, I was just, just open, open the, the first package step. and smelling the bosses. <laughs> To I was gonna there. say <laughs> it really
0: is the end of the world. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly.
4: <laughs> no, I spread it all out and was looking at it was, you know, weeding the balsa out of the stuff and I already broke one thing. I gotta go back and fix.
2: Yeah.
4: And I was a kind of well, let me ask you guys, what did you use to build this? Because there's no plans or anything with it. Um, so I'm looking, I guess I have to go.
2: Yeah, there's RC no groups.
4: build manuals on his website. He's got yeah. a spot for manuals, and it said will be added later. Yeah.
1: RC groups, there's a build thread there the that thread. you can follow. Okay. And it'll yeah, we'll give annoying. you like how to put the fuselage together. Yeah, it's not a real manual. It's just someone, a ho- yeah. another hobbyist that just, you know, yeah. did a build thread. So Well, I, it doesn't look too
4: difficult. So
1: No, no Andy.
0: And I can help oh, you out. I looked at pictures that were on, he had like two pictures on his website. I looked at those a lot. And then okay. just um some of it was like, you know, you have to lay those the pieces of balsa over the wings where the where you're going to eventually put the rubber band. So there's two smaller spar pieces that go in yeah. closer to where the wings join. And then there's those pieces that go over it. So it's kind of like it's it's almost like you got to put it together and think about, like, does this really go here? Like, why is this like this? And why do I have two of those? You know?
1: Yeah. yeah yeah i put mine together wrong i didn't use those pieces <laughs> i put one on the end and one on the inside so. well that, yeah
0: and that's exactly what i did originally and i was like well, well that doesn't really make sense and then i yeah uh, i think i still had to take some balsa away from something at one point and redo yeah it. i mean
1: it's balsa so you could just sand things down and you can make it fit yeah yeah
4: right
0: yeah i was just
4: uh you know in the the fuselage, like there's a couple bulkheads through the like going back to the tail. Mm-hmm. One of the, where I guess it's the slot where the tab of the bulkhead would fit in. Yeah. Little bitty thin balsa strips, and I accidentally broke one of those out. Mm-hmm. So I had to cut another one and glue it back in. Yeah. I mean, it's not a big deal, just annoying. I was, I guess, mm-hmm. being too rough with it.
1: Yeah, I forgot
4: yeah. how fragile Balsa is. <laughs>
1: Very fragile.
4: Yeah, I haven't dealt with any in a long time. But anyway, I've got it all spread out here, so maybe I'll get that done later this week. Nice. Um, I did uh, buy something. I got oh, yeah? a couple of the new buffer packs from Aeropanda.
1: Oh, yeah. I ordered those, too. Yeah, and I got, I got a shipping notification, <gasps> so they're on the way. Yeah, I was going to ask you, because I think when you recommended it, you said it was a pre-order, right? Right. Well, I think Manny put up a post on
4: Facebook showing that they had got them in maybe yesterday, actually.
2: Oh, you know what? I got a tracking number.
4: Nice. So they got them turned around and shipped out fairly quick. Oh, that's so I'm awesome. Excited. I'm, well, I'll talk about those more in the news and announcements. I forgot mm-hmm. it last week. Cool. Anyway, I got those on the way. Um uh, I guess that's it for me.
0: Awesome. So now where did you get those, the buffer packs from?
4: Aeropanda.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, aeropanda.com. Just mm-hmm. right from their store. Okay.
4: Yeah, and I'll we'll go into those a little more later, but as really, as soon as I saw those, I ordered some because I've been waiting a long time to get some more.
1: Cool. All right. So let's kind of move into the main topic, and we'll kind of catch up with uh, what Alpha's been up to, and then kind of get to know him, um, and then we'll kind of get to know the the business side too. So, um, so first of all, Alpha, um, welcome to the show. And thanks, guys. Do you want to just kind of? You know what has your like last week or so just kind of you know in the hobby been like?
5: Well, um, so I'm the senior manager here at Motion RC. I, I oversee our product development, and so in a word, <laughs> all that I flew last week I can't talk about.
2: <laughs> <But>
5: <laughs> nice. I can tell you that some of them crashed, and some of them were going to make them, and some of them we're going to wait. But um, in all seriousness, the the nice thing is about my job is. Is, uh, every day is RC. Um, right, it's something right. we've tried to do at Motion RC where our customer service manager and the CEO and everyone, we're all, we're all pilots. So it just so happens that <clears throat> I'm flying for fun and also flying to sort of develop the next free wing aircraft, the next kinetic aircraft, like that, that Shrike or that Havoc, uh, looking at our RC tanks that we just brought in and, and a few other categories we're going to be announcing here shortly. I can tell you that uh, in some of the videos we've posted in the past, and this is a good example of what happened today, we're filming uh, for an upcoming aircraft, and you know, in Asia, there there are there are not as many, not as blessed we could say, with open areas to fly. So a lot of times we're flying in abandoned riverbeds or abandoned um, abandoned streets or roads or shopping complexes that they just dis- decide not to finish. And so you'll see a lot of that. We're sort of known, ages known for having videos where you're, you're in between, um, what I call defense, quite literally fences and water Buffalo. I flew next to a water Buffalo a couple of weeks <laughs> oh, ago. Wow, interesting. <laughs> yeah. You know, I
2: bet.
5: <laughs> you know, we're trying to, <laughs> trying to spot land a new Balsa aircraft and, um, m- funny story quite we got pictures to prove it too but there there's a herd of water buffalo that normally don't bother us and they decide to sort of cross the riverbed as we're coming down and power's power's low bingo fuel and I, no water buffalo were hurt <laughs> in, the, in the landing but it's that constant reminder of this is why i love rc i love i'd love just Having something in the air, having the wallet in the sky, having everyone's expectations in the sky, and and having to bring it down, no matter what, um, on a water buffalo three point landing, or you know I do my fair <laughs> share of crashing. If you're not crashing enough, you're not you're not flying hard enough. But um, that's usually how my weeks go. And then in in more direct context, obviously with uh, with a disease that shall not be named, we've been dealing with a lot of logistical hurdles. Something so. Like that. The other side of the hobby, you know, I'm the I'm the hobbyist guy flying over 30 years and also um, on the business side. So talking to our supply chains, we are just as exposed as Kia and Apple and Samsung and all the other companies you read about, and hear about on the news um, with supply chain issues. And how can you get it and how can you get it across the water and where are the workers? All of those sorts of things are uh, it. Needn't even be sad or sort of top of mind for us right now. So we get to deal with the fun logistical side of, of the hobby, which is not just making the product but getting it to everyone to enjoy. Past quarter has proved fun, and the upcoming quarter or two will will prove even more, even more, uh, even more fun.
0: Nice,
1: cool. So let's let's kind of get to know who Alpha is, huh? So. Yeah. So we've got a couple of questions here. Um, how long have you been in the hobby?
5: Long time. Um, like I said, I've been flying over 30 years. And uh, from, from general aviation, full-size aircraft to RC, even from not just plankers, as we call them, uh, with fixed-wing aircraft, but big helicopter guy. I actually got my start in surface, like I think a lot of people do. Father, Mm -hmm. father's father, everyone's military. So you sort of see where I'm going with this. Daddy was a fighter pilot, grew up. This is long before. This is back in the day when you could actually walk and sit in an aircraft on Air Force Day at Hickam Air Force Base, and they'd let you go. Nowadays, everything's behind them, behind the wall. But I grew up around aircraft. Jet 1A, sort of, that was breakfast. And so... Uh, aviation in general was always something that I had always gravitated towards. Um, my mother's a teacher, and one of my favorite poems was uh, S- Although I've slipped the surly bonds of Earth and seen what you've never dreamed of. Like just all of the aviation, aviation in any sort of way, sort of how I um, grew up. And RC was that natural progression of, well... If I can't drive a tank in real life and command a destroyer in real life and fly a, a, a hawker hunter in real life, then at the very least, uh, I'm going to be able to build these things and and control them sort of from the ground. So right. my my start with radios within cr- was with craft radios. Um, my start mm-hmm. with fixed wings were Japanese tissue paper and dope. You know, oh, wow. the right kind of dope kids, not the bad dope,
2: yeah.
5: <laughs> but, um, you know, the good dope and just that smell of, and that sense of completion when you go six months putting something together and
2: right.
5: it takes a dirt nap 10 seconds after, <laughs> after <laughs> maiden, you know, we, I think we all know how that, how that feels. You know, I, mm-hmm. I just fell in love with that. I fell in love with the, with the challenge of building, of creating something that eventually was going to be a loft. Or be sort of disconnected from you physically. So, right. um, all of that just throughout my younger years and then through college twenties and thirties and just up and up. Now, uh, we had the opportunity at motion RC, uh, in the early years or about almost eight years ago now, um, had the opportunity to join a company of just a couple of people at the time who were absolutely committed RC guys who wanted to sort of We're not going to take over the world, but we really wanted to. Sounds cliche, but true. Really wanted to just sort of do our part to move the hobby forward, whatever that looked like. It has turned out to be you know, I'm the guy making the free wing jets, and we've got Mm -hmm. warbirds coming down just off to your ears in every different size. And now we've got RC tanks, and we're all over the world. And we have European distribution and American distribution, all those sort of fun things. But we still very much are a where we, we tow the line between being too big for our britches and still just being everyday RC guys. I know a lot of our customers by name. I've flown with a lot of them. A lot of them sort of know me. I've crashed some of their airplanes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Tony. Jeez. Um, oh, these days, um, I'm now, I'm the guy who lives in Asia. So obviously I'm not Chinese, but, um, but, but I live there and I live there full time. And, mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that came out of sort of taking the passion that each of you have for RC and hearing, I love how that goblin flies or Mm -hmm. that strike's great, or, or I'm going to go out the field and try this, or I want to build this kit, taking all of that same passion and really sort of being a, what I hope ends up being a voice for flies around the world at the factory. You know, I, I dine with these guys, we eat noodles together. I go to their kids, um, (laughs) bar mitzvahs course there's no barred mitzvahs in china but you get what you get my meaning <laughs> right <laughs> or, or um or sort of we're, we're in um the family as it were and again it sounds very cliche but it's true it's worked out where i can reach with the left hand into my customers in colorado or budapest and take their feedback and walk it into the design team in don china and say all right it, the people say we need to do this And in that way, it's been very responsive. So in in the grand scheme, sort of sum up here, you know, who am I? I'm, I'm just a regular old guy. I'm just a regular guy who loves RC, who happens to be blessed to be in this position where I can, I can sort of RC my entire life. Um, and if that has helped people and has helped sort of motion RC grow as a company and be seen as one of those companies of the people and for the people, then uh, we're grateful for it and um along the way as long as i'm crashing once a week i'm happy
1: <laughs>
2: that's
0: great
1: awesome <laughs> uh, so you kind of hinted at it so so where do you live like where are you based out of then
5: so so we have partners throughout asia so
2: mm-hmm.
5: i'm sort of i live in a suitcase Oh, wow, um, okay you know we we tried to talk about this on hobby squawk on our forum and also Mm -hmm. sort of recently getting involved in Instagram to show people a bit of the behind the scenes. Um, and a lot of the the photos I post, I wrote an article for model aviation last year called how it's made for foam aircraft specifically, but Mm -hmm. it's really just the tip of the iceberg to show that when people's if, I mean, for all of our listeners out there, take a moment and and look at that RC airplane on the kitchen table that your wife hates or whatever's (laughs) there in the garage, Mm -hmm. just, Think of all the little parts in that thing and then try to imagine where each of those come from. Then try to imagine the people who are putting those things together. You know, the person standing over that person putting it together is me. And so we like having the ability to sort of snap a couple of pictures and say this is a window into the part of the hobby that I don't think a lot of people have seen. Um, I don't think it's necessary to see it to enjoy the hobby, but it's sort of nice, you know. I don't, I don't think I'm saving the world or anything, but we are trying to share a bit more of what we can see on the ground. So to answer your question, I live wherever things are made. Um, the running joke is it's half Fortress of Solitude and and half uh, Santa's North Pole. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But but that can be where your batteries are made, you know, where your sure. pulse is cut, um, where. Your retracts or CNC'd, uh, where motors are wound, uh, where PNP's are assembled and packaged, you know, mm-hmm. where that fiberglass helicopter is being molded. Right. Um, that's that's where I'm at. Wow. You know,
3: Alpha, I like that you bring not only you know you bring that kind of a picture of of what's going on over there to us, but I like that you bring you take the customers, you take us of the factories that yes. they have, they have walls of uh, just pictures on the wall of customers with the, the airplanes and what they've done to them. Oh. They just, they oh yeah, think about you know what they think when they see that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, thanks they for have bringing to have that up. Some for- pride in their, you know,
5: their workmanship. And- You're absolutely right. Um, you know, part of sort of not my job but a personal mission has been to sort of be the voice that dispels the frankly, very outdated notion that products, aircraft products produced in Asia are built by 10-year-olds working on dirt floors. That's absolutely not the case. We have millions of dollars of equipment with people who work five to seven, on average, uh, years with a certain company before they're able to sort of elevate to certain parts of the production line. These are specialists. Um, so, so George, you're absolutely right. When, when we have uh, a company such as Freewing, which has been in the business 15 years, 16 years now, and they have workers who've done things say a certain way for the past eight or nine, when we go in, we have that conversation of that has been good, but this way is going to be a bit better. You know, The customers have asked for this. They've asked for slightly wider tires because most of them now are flying off of grass. Um so that type of conversation is a conversation we can have to their faces and that's reinforced when they walk out of the conference room and walk down the the long hallway we have there and it's just we have a hundred photos. We've posted some of these the pictures of the the wall, the customer wall as we call it, which is really now just the customer floor because they're they're everywhere, of people flying these aircraft. Men, women, you know, young and old. Um Posing with their models. It reinforces the that is why Alpha's saying do this. It's not that he's been a jerk today and wants to increase the wheel height by five millimeters. It's because probably one of those people who's photoed on that wall told him to, you know, or, or gave him that bit of feedback. So it um because we have a wide group of factories that we worked with, it's not it's not difficult to sort of see who is the most responsive it's the ones that are growing the largest. It's the ones that are sort of building that reputation of, of responsiveness to customers. And probably the best part of my job is I get to say, Hey, I did nothing, but take George's feedback that he put on hobby squawk and go walk it to Robon and say, Hey, you're going to need to, you know, we want dual helical gears in the Apache 500 or whatever the case may be. So, um, you're right, that's Joe, awesome. and that it, it helps to, it helps for people to see the people both sides, right? both yeah. ways. This, this thing cuts both ways.
1: The world yeah. is too small. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's really awesome that, um, that you're able to be the voice of your customers to bring that feedback, um, and then for them to actually action on it, right? Or for you to like, yeah, we really need to make these changes to, to make this product even better.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think that is, It's a crucial part of business that I don't know if a lot of businesses um, follow that. I don't know.
0: I think it's a hard thing for businesses to do, but uh, well worth it in in the eyes of us, the the end user,
1: and I don't think it's just a hard thing for businesses to do. It's it's hard thing for people to accept sometimes, right? Like it, nobody wants to hear it's like true. the shit that they've been making is bad, or or right. you know that it, that someone else has a better idea than you would. Like who's been in a industry for so long and things like that. But um, but to be humble enough to be like. Okay, let's give it a try, right? And try it out and then see, yeah, okay. So, yeah, yeah. having that five millimeter bigger wheel helps, you know, take offs and landings and yeah. it doesn't nose over as much. And, you know, like that's amazing. That's really, I mean, you know, it, it's gratifying because
5: now you, we've, we've seen sort of that, that mm-hmm. momentum shift where, mm-hmm. quite frankly, for the past several, it's been several years now, I go in, let's say the AL37 airliner, which was one of our more recent. Um, home runs. Now, we said we want to do a twin 70 airliner, twin 70 millimeter EDF powered airliner. Mm -hmm. I wanted two meters long, 1.8 meter wingspan, sort of, should it be one, should it be 80 millimeters EDFs at two meter wingspan, et cetera, et cetera. We worked through all the minutiae of getting it to stick, getting it to land um, in our sort of in our crystal ball of what customers would want. And again, this is all based on feedback. So we're sort of handicapped if people don't tell us what they want. But so I don't right. mind being badgered. Give me this alpha. I want this. I want this. That's, that's all good because we can take that data, break it into subsets and then sort of check it for its veracity. But then we were able to take that AL37 and say, okay, this is the mission. This is what I want. This, 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 and this. Here's the airfoil. It needs to be this airfoil at this position because just because we know it needs to fly in a specific way and all of the engineering all the math that i'm sort of known for we then we then sort of synthesize into these drawings which we, again we cover in some of those how it's made articles we sort of take all of that and say just just do it in years past there was understandably a lot of kickback factories would say really you don't want to go bigger you don't want to go cheaper you don't want to go more expensive you don't want to go faster you don't want to Etc. cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now we're able to say, no, we, we are absolutely confident if you build it this way, at this point, price point with this feature set and that color right, way, right. that's going to be the best for you. And because we've had, not to boast, we have enough of these, these days where we can we can sort of draw back on our experience together. It's no longer, I'm dictating to you what the customers want. It's just, you know, the guy on the wall, that customer, that girl, you know, that guy, this is what they this is what they want next. It mm-hmm. becomes more of a conversation, as I keep saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, if it and if it looks better and it flies better, it sells better. So, yeah. Exactly. It is yeah. this isn't rocket science. We're just we're just sort of uncovering or reinforcing just for any given aircraft, it should fly it should operate in a certain way. And um and and that's about it. I like to say the key to happiness is managed expectations. If mm-hmm. we're able to understand and preempt the and predict those expectations and in some way sort of retroactively set them, then we're really able to sort of just keep this thing going. So AL-37 airliner hit and then came the T-33. No one was looking for that. And that was totally different aircraft, but just as highly successful. And by successful, I'm not talking about money. For first time listeners, listen to my other sort of things on other podcasts and other things we talk about this is absolutely not about money. The hobby is not about money. And anyone who tells you they're getting rich in this hobby is lying. Mm-hmm. Um, but when when I talk about the success of a model, we're not talking about how much money you made off of it. We're talking about was it safe? Was it loved? Is it an aircraft that people would replace if they crashed it or took a dirt nap somehow? Yeah. Um that's our measurement of success. Do people adopt it like the AL 37 in by the hundreds and just repaint them and recolor them and put decals on them and, and all of these sorts of things? That's that's success. That's um, that shows that the customer got what they wanted. And and, and uh, if that happens, if and when that happens, you know, I get a double helping of noodles that day. You know, it's, it's party
3: time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny, but for anybody that. It doesn't believe that you seek feedback from people. I remember two and a half years ago, you asking me about asking me airliner questions. Yeah. In in general, you know, filling me out about what I thought about this and <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, so you know, it's not like you know, we're just going to build this and maybe they'll like it. You really do yeah. listen to the customers.
5: We're. We're, businessman is sort of a toxic word in a lot of places. I would say business alert. You know, we know because we pay it. We know that if we're wrong, we're dead in the water. Um, the molds that make some of these aircraft are the size of a car, <laughs> like a real car. Um, you know, we're talking tons of equipment, not the expression, but Quite literally, these are molded in machines that are 10 feet tall that can fit four people inside of them. They're made out of steel. Just the, we're talking quarter million dollar sort of investments. If you're wrong, you're toast. And so it, we're not the only ones who've figured this out. Obviously, there are many successful RC companies and, and I applaud them. What I'm saying is what we're doing isn't necessarily special, but that is sort of the way to do it. This is the way. If you guess, if you, Dominate the market and say to dictate to the market and say this is what you're going to fly. You know, if you're right, you're right. But if you're wrong, you're toast. And so we try to, um, as George mentioned, reach out to people and say, "Let us know. We're listening." Uh, Blow up my DMs on Instagram. Send me the emails. Go to Facebook. Hobby Squawk, but 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 we're listening. So
1: awesome. So let me ask you, um, how long have you been uh, working in the hobby? Like, was Motion kind of your first? gig that you've been with them from since it the is. beginning or oh it yeah, is motion okay
5: RC, i joined motion rc in the beginning there were mm-hmm. the ones, me, three people before me um, the, the, right. the the co-owners and the warehouse guy and um keith and i came on at a time in my life when i when i was sort of um how to say i i was i was in a i was in a, a holding pattern i i at that point in my life had decided was, was blessed enough to say, okay, I think I'm just going to fly till I die type thing and, and make it a personal pursuit. Um, the opportunity arose to sort of join motion RC at, at the bottom of, of the, the bucket. Um, I never imagined myself being in <clears throat> on the production and development side of the hobby business. And I, I challenge any listener to, to sort of, to, Take a minute and let's do the mental exercise of imagining taking your hobby, which is this beautiful thing you do on the weekends and in the evenings when the kids go to bed, and then making that 100 hour a 100-hour-a-week thing. Um, there's going to be a lot of pros there, and there's going to be a lot of challenges, too. And um, probably because I imagine what those challenges would be, specifically you know, changing your hobby to your job. We all hear about that cliche, never do that. Now I, I frankly had never imagined myself uh, being in the business, so to speak, on in RC, um, which is all the more why I love working at Motion RC because it, it is exact opposite of sort of all the fears that I had imagined of it dominating my lifestyle and sort of taking over who I was and all of this. It has only accentuated who I was all along, which is an RC nut. <laughs> nice. So I've been with them since the beginning, and, and it's we have got no plans of stopping. I, I will likely be here until I die, and uh, I'll consider that a good way to go. <laughs> gives a whole new meaning. Gives a whole new
3: meaning to the uh, term uh, pay to play, doesn't it? It really does.
0: I have a question about you know how you got initially got connected with Motion RC because obviously you're you're an American, or am I assuming that? I am. You grew up in America and, and, you Uh, know, Motion's more or less based. Well, I don't know. Yeah, we're
5: headquartered in Illinois.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was
5: living in California at the time um, in Los Angeles. I spent almost 20 years in in Los Angeles and uh, living there at the time. And how it all began, actually, is I just, I bought a plane from a new company called Motion RC. It was a foamy critical mass, $199, 1,100 millimeters. And, um, it was their first airplane. It was produced by FMS and was the first in a brand called Rock Hobby that Motion RC and FMS had sort of birthed together. Okay. And I love the airplane. It was, it was really great. I had one problem with it and I called in and, uh, ended up speaking with uh, who I didn't realize at the time was the CEO. Um, <laughs> wow. and long story short, you know, they, in the very short time, Mark and Tom really demonstrated to the hobby that, hey, there's this new hobby company, and we didn't know a lot about them, but they're hobby guys. And that was enough. Frankly, it was enough for me. It was enough for a lot of my friends who were flying those that first airplane. And um, again, long story short, I got on the phone, I, I called in, and we got to talking. I'm like, oh, that's neat. Are you guys looking for, it seems like you guys are growing, and I, I got a business background, so it seemed like a good opportunity. We decided to just sort of try it, and I began on the customer service side, which is always the most important uh, aspect of any business, and ran the phones for the first year or so, just answering people's questions. And from okay. then, we, we identified, okay, so we can do this how most people do, which is you order something, you get it, you sell it, you service it sort of retroactively or, and let's get to the position. What needs to happen for us to get to the position where before something ships to us, we've already seen it, right? An ounce of prevention is worth a ton of cure. And so mm-hmm. that sort of set me on the stage within the company as we continue to grow. And uh, just very quickly, thanks to our customer family support, it allowed us to sort of identify my better role in the company would be on the development side because I have an aviation background and I, I, I don't like math, but I'm very good at it. And I understand as an aerodynamicist sort of what needs to happen in an aircraft to make it fly well, I understand the production side of things and how to make sure that not only can it fly well, but it needs to be able to be producible and, and somewhat profitable. Um, so all of that sort of shifted my role and I just decided at one point to say, I'm gonna go learn Chinese and um <laughs> move to Asia.
0: Oh geez, we <laughs> needed you last um. week. <laughs> we were looking for somebody to translate Chinese last week. We had a call from someone in China uh, or something. Yeah. Yep.
5: I can speak Chinese. So right. um nice. so that's that's sort of how it happened and that's um that's where I got to where I am. And a few Again, cliche, but absolutely true. As George had mentioned, a few in hindsight, specific calls, to specific people at specific times to do two things. One, to demonstrate that we are serious in asking their feedback.
2: Mm-hmm. And two,
5: that we're, we are absolutely serious in taking that feedback and putting it into the product. Aside mm-hmm. from the math, I can't take any credit for anything we've done. It's, it's really just been customers have suggested things. We've, we've made them happen. Um, That's awesome. which is, I think how a hobby <laughs> company should be run quite yeah. frankly, this is not a corporation. I've come from the corporate world. This is, this is, yeah. you know, those are completely different sort of constructs entirely. This is the trick is how to run a hobby company multinationally because we are shipping to 60 countries in two different, uh, warehouses from the United States and from Europe now, but how to make it still feel and genuinely be a direct line sort of you can talk to the engineer the guy making the stuff um, that's now, a Alpha, challenge.
3: Had, had you
5: had you been in asia before you got involved with motion yeah i i had been i had been in asia um in the mid and sort of late 90s was my first foray in into asia it fell in in like with it i can't say in love <laughs> i fell in like with it um mm-hmm. i grew up in hawaii so, so naturally there's a lot of there's a lot of Asians of, of, of all types there. Um yeah. it's it's, a, it's not a melting pot, it's sort of a, a mixing bowl, as we say. So I saw I was exposed to all those different cultures. I understand the culture, I speak Japanese, I can speak Chinese. Um, so that obviously helped. But no, George, I had I had been there for completely different things and never side this never saw the R C side. In fact, sort of funny side story. Um, about two years ago, I went in. Part of my job is to find new factory, so walk into this new factory and realize that they're quite literally the neighbor to a factory that I had visited for in a previous life fifteen years ago. I had not had not a single clue that this factory had been there all along. Um, you know, these aren't these aren't large uh, Las Vegas glittering banners outside or big illuminated marquee saying come over here we're making servos you know it's just <laughs> these are just humble warehouses so mm-hmm. you would never know walking past someplace in 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 um in tokyo or, or ho chi Minh or, or shenzhen you never really know what's inside them so that's another sort of part of what i love about uh, what i do is sort of discovering new things every day and who's making all the stuff in your stuff so Got to get you guys out here one day to um to do some sort of tour or or something. I've had a couple people offer. No one's actually come over, but but um, where we can, I would like to show as much as possible what goes on here. I think it's more than people think.
1: Yeah, I got to get your contact info. I'll definitely. Yeah, my wife wants to go to. She wants to you know do China or or go back to South Korea or do or Japan or something. So we're definitely going to in the next couple of years, plan a trip out somewhere that way. So for yeah, sure. I
5: think it's fun. I mean, there, there's so many, I'd like to imagine that us as an mm-hmm. RC community, yes, we're flyers. Yes. We're drivers.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, yes. We're operators, but, modeler is sort of that term that implies you're, you're not just the, the final operator, but you're also the builder. And if you're not the builder in this PNP RTR RTF age, at the very least you'd appreciate the construction that goes on. Right. So I'd like to imagine that anyone could, could walk into a factory um, anywhere, Mexico, North America, Asia, some of our emplacements in Europe and be able to sort of appreciate craftsmanship for craftsmanship. Um, yeah. As a horologist, I'm sort of one of my side hobbies within this hobby life. As a horologist, I love watchmaking. And uh, in a watch, you've got a couple hundred parts, at least a good watch. And just the magic to me of how all that, how is that made? How does it go in there and fit and work and all of those types of things? Um, it's clockwork, quite literally. In the same way that when I look at your goblin, I'm thinking, how does that do that Thing, like how, right. <laughs> I understand aerodynamically how how it, how it mm-hmm. obtains lift and whatnot, but how does it actually do that? You know, that's magic to me. It, it always has been.
0: I don't think uh, I could tell my wife I was going to China. I might have to tell her I was going <laughs> to quote Ohio, but uh, yeah. well, I might be able to do it.
5: <laughs> the flight's shorter than the drive, so you know, there's some subterfuge we could work in somehow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
5: Jump on a direct flight.
2: (laughs) Yep.
0: Yeah. Uh, But that would be great. I would love to see that. But man.
2: Yeah. Shout
5: out, actually, I should say that to a company like SIG, a good friend of mine, Tony Accurso and Evelyn Accurso, um, uh, based, again, in in Southern California, there are factories. Uh, We may not think of them as such, but they are. There there are RC factories uh, in the United States. So if it's too far to... Jump in an airplane to Japan or come visit me in China, um, head over to Iowa. And, and I'd encourage anyone to reach out to, uh, to Sig or Monzano or anyone that they might be able to find to just, just see that side. It might just be on right. the other side of the door in that hobby shop, you know, that, that guy tuning a pipe on, on an old Zenoa or, or something. But seeing mm. that side of the hobby, I think is, it's informative and it's, it adds a whole nother layer to what we're doing.
1: Awesome. So, um, you're just you know your your title's your senior manager, product developer, I guess, right?
5: Yeah, um, yeah. Too small for titles. I'm just yeah I'm the dude. I mean, technically <laughs> it's senior manager, but I'm like I'm just the guy who makes the stuff. You, you all badger me for on hobby
1: squad. <laughs> <laughs> so, how long have you been in this role? Like, is this something you kind of work your way up the food chain, or kind of like you know you kind of quickly became this uh, took take the responsibilities of his role.
5: Yeah. B. And um, this is, this is one where the opportunity was there. There was no sort of totem pole or chain. This is, these were three guys who came together and said,
2: mm-hmm.
5: you know, we know what we want to do. We know where we want to be. Uh, we know where, where we're at. So let's, we've identified certain specialities that some of us are good at. And we just,
1: okay. we just yeah. went
5: with, you know, trust, trust and luck it's a two-way street in business i think and in the Mm -hmm. hobby world uh, which again does not operate like a traditional sort of industry you really need a lot of both you need a lot of trust and you need a lot of luck um on in the same way that when i'm banging sticks trying to cut grass with an (laughs) align 700 which i've never Mm -hmm. truly been able to do it always ends poorly um it, that, taste, <laughs> that takes so much trust and skill, sure, but I still mm-hmm. think it's a lot of luck, at least for me. <laughs> so driving an aircraft versus driving a, a business in this industry, they're very similar. Trust and luck.
1: Nice. Awesome. Uh, so what does a, a product cycle look like, like from the conception to, like, you know, actual making mold and kind of, you know, until it's released? Yeah.
5: It's – um. It's, it's a big nutshell, but we've got about 8,000 products. And so it, the answer to your question depends on the product type. So let's say, let's not talk about helicopters. Let's not talk about tanks. Let's not talk about mm-hmm. sort of big So Let's just talk about foam electric. Okay. So sure. in the context of foam electric, it, it'll vary depending on a UMX aircraft, sort of $50 palm of your hand type aircraft to a, a two meter, um, two meter airliner. So let's say I'm going to talk just specifically about like one of our jets, something mid-range, like three hundred dollar, three hundred fifty dollar PNP jet, um, hundred twenty miles an hour out of the box, lights and suspension gear, sort of sort of the bread and butter in the EDF world today. Um, so in the context of something like that, just to give your listeners sort of a sense of dimension, you're you're looking at something that's it's going to fit in. It's going to fit in the backseat of a car. The wing might have to come mm. off or so, but it's you're sort of there. You okay. know, it's not a quarter scale tiger moth or anything, um, but it's not something you're going to just shove into the trunk. These are these are good sized aircraft, and given that if they're going a hundred plus miles an hour, you know if they take a dirt nap, you won't be happy.
2: <laughs> um, yeah.
5: So that's sort of the, the that's the stage that we set, and it's important because you're not just looking at. So I'm beginning to answer your question now. This begins with not just looking at what you want to make. It's how big is it? How heavy is it? What's the price point? Is it going to be fast or slow? Is it going to fit in a box? Um, all of those sort of considerations we consider before even really hammering down what aircraft it's going to be. So let's mm-hmm. say let's say the F. Uh, let's do the F. Uh, let's let's do the F-22. Um, okay. F-22 is an aircraft. <clears throat> let's say, actually, check that. We'll do the F-35. 70 millimeter, 250 bucks, um, receiver ready. So with that aircraft, we said, okay, we've, we've had an F-35 in years past. It wasn't great. And so we want to do another F-35. You do all the, the research, the market research of is an aircraft, you know, is this aircraft we should do? Yes. Okay, what size should we do it? there will always be someone who's going to want a 120 millimeter, uh, EDF. You know, they're going to want a turbine F 35 that hovers and it costs 10 grand. You know, there's always going to be right. that guy. Um, you know, my job is to not, I don't build for that guy. I build for, for the, for the most guys.
2: <laughs> so
5: we sort of find our way to, okay, we're going to make it 70 millimeter. Um, What's our target price point? Well, the market will bear this because other 70s are right about this price. You go through all of that math, and then you get to it's going to be an F-35 at this target price point with this sort of feature set, and, mm-hmm. and it's going to be about this big. And then you get into sort of the fun part, which is the math. Um, contrary to what I still think people think, some people think, um, you can't just take a three-view drawing and 3 Dify it. And, and make a mold. Oh, you can't. It's not going to fly well. You can't just yeah. scale up the, the full-size airfoils because obviously air doesn't scale. Um, so you can't do that either. You know, Reynolds numbers, all those sorts of things change in the context of the model. So we, we go through what's called a drafting stage. We'll line art it, and then I'll I'll build it out in um, in a 3D software. We'll then, for a foam electric aircraft, we'll then CNC uh, CNC route, the entire model in full scale and in, in full size, our target. Wow. And, okay. and the reason why it's CNC'd is you can't, you can CNC styrofoam. You can't really CNC EPO foam. EPO foam is that oilier foam we see from, from Horizon and FMS and Freewing. Everyone uses EPO mm-hmm. these days. Well, for okay. a prototype, you're going to CNC styrofoam. It's drier and whatnot. So you spend a couple thousand dollars, you get yourself a nice CNC'd airplane. And then you go fly it. And here's where, here's where you begin to sort of run into issues. If your math was wrong, or even if your math implied that you would be right, none of that matters until you fly the aircraft. Um, and so we go and we'll fly it. We'll fly it a hundred to 120 times is the, is the typical test parameter where we go through different types of things such as stall characteristic, um, runtime. We obviously calc for, for, uh, for drag. And, all different types of drag and we do all of that math uh, against the actual cnc that process can be one month to two years long it just it just depends yeah i'm not trying to avoid the answer it just it truly just it just depends um once all of that happens between a year between a month or two years once we have sort of we can this is going to fly as configured Maybe we need to make it larger or smaller or change the power system or what have you. Once we know, then we cut the molds and the molds again, are that's a six figure investment where molds, both plastic and, uh, and for foam
1: mm-hmm.
5: are, are machine cut. It some of the molds are so large that they take three to four weeks to wow. machine. If you can imagine that, right? 10,000th at a time. Um, 10,000th <laughs> of an inch at a time or a thousandth mm-hmm. of an inch. A thousandth of an inch at a time they just take so long to machine and you need to have multiple sets all of that we assumed for in the beginning knowing how how a model is going to cost based on its its overall size and um, the moment of truth is really when you pull the first mold and put it all together and go fly it uh, in the early days There was a disconnect between the weight distribution of a CNC foam model versus an EPO foam model. Suffice to say, we figured that out now where now we know there's, once you make it in EPO, it's going to be too heavy in the butt or whatever. But anyway, the moment of the truth is what, a moment of truth is when you actually fly the aircraft. If you pop the mold, which had already taken a month or so to make and you got the plastic parts and you got the electronics in there and all the other sort of stuff that people take for granted, you just throw the power system in. If the aircraft flies, you're you're home free. If it does not fly and or yeah. does not fly well, you're toast. So uh, let's presume, because we're still talking, obviously, we haven't made too many of those latter decisions.
2: <laughs> We've <laughs> right. gotten
5: to the point where these aircraft out of the mold, there's no surprises. We know what they're at. Um, then we produce them and then we ship them. The reason why I say production is such a short element is because it is that first was that first shipment takes a week or two, but it's really the culmination of 18 to 22 months on average of work, hundreds of people, at least 150 people sort of hands touching a given aircraft throughout its development. And then it's actual physical production. All of that happens. Plus the UPS guy to get it in front of a customer. Um, and then that's not the end. Then we listen. We say, do they love it? Great. We're done. Make more. Mm-hmm. Or they say, we love it. You know, that servo is a little wonky. you are going to put a bigger servo in it. Okay. That's fine. And then we do. And, and there's sort of this, this, uh, feedback, uh, loop that, that sort of happens the first uh, few months after an aircraft is produced. And once, once you work through that, then the aircraft stays on our website for hopefully as long as we're around, as long as it's economical to continue to produce the aircraft. Um, right, and then we talk about it, and then, then someone puts it together and goes and crashes it after a couple of weekends, and you know that's the life cycle of an airplane.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now they need parts.
5: <laughs> yeah, but in, in sort of ten minutes, that's 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 sort of what we um, that's what we oversee at every step.
0: So, Alf, I have a question. I actually have a few questions, but. One of the major ones is uh, when it goes from the CNC styrofoam to, like, the molded one version the or the, you know, close to final version, do you see a big difference in the characteristics? Like, is it a little quicker because there's not styrofoam rough edges type of thing or is it?
5: Yeah, super astute question because we do. Um, you know, the wetted surface area of CNC, which is rougher, is, is going to be higher than the smooth surface of an EPO model. So part of the mathematical models that I'm responsible for are predicting that difference. Oh, wow. um, you also have difference in weight distribution because the CNC model is obviously solid. It's CNC from solid pieces. And right. so um, an EPO model is not, it's cavernous and we, we go ribs and bulkheads, and, you know, the, the given sort of thickness of foam at a certain area needs to be a certain amount so that the liquid foam can flow throughout the mold. You know, all of that um, when you get into like, the, the hydrodynamics of it all <laughs> um right. it, all of that math is sort of to make the answer to your question a a, a comfortable no you know, there is not a massive difference between uh what comes out of the mold and what was cnc'd um there's there's definitely a gap in between them but we try and solve for that in math
2: ah, before okay.
5: We know it's going to be heavy, even, even paint, you know, a long fuselage aircraft. You know, if you're doing an F3A aircraft, for example, you need to take into account, um, you need to take into account the longer fuselage. There's going to be more paint on that surface and that may shift the center of balance slightly aft and you know, all of those types of things. If maybe we're doing a 3d printed prop on a, on a prototype, which is common these days uh, or 3d printed sort of plastic, Landing gear, um, landing gear struts, which we know are eventually going to be metal. Well, we need to consider that, that there's going to be a weight distribution uh, error or discrepancy between the CNC prototype and the final EPL mold. So, again, I'm not the only one doing this. Every every plane you've ever flown has someone who's cognizant of those changes. Um, it's just, again, it's one of those things where I'd I'd, I'd wager the past 15 minutes. A lot of people may have may, may have not thought that that is the depth of, of engineering that goes into these products
0: mm-hmm. but it is right and it has to be no it makes sense I, I just never was through it step by step like that
5: yeah and balsa when we talk about balsa or helicopters that the process became similar but different in distinct ways balsa obviously you're not making molds you're laser cutting but the development process is very similar helicopters um probably the most distinct because not only are you dealing with um with with fiberglass molds but you're also dealing with that wonderful thing called vibration and Mm -hmm. and aerodynamic aerodynamic forces when a model is static versus moving through space which helicopters tend to prefer the former you know you have to solve for that also so it's all. Wow. It's always a cluster over here. There's there's always equations on. There. If you ever come into my office, you see whiteboards of just equations and things trying to trying to um, pre- preempt failure.
0: <laughs> I'm kind of amazed that anything flies now at all <laughs> after hearing <laughs> yeah, all it's, this. It's, um, I mean, not in a bad way, but just with all the equations you're talking about. It's just amazing. Yeah.
5: It's, it's a fair point. When you look at like gold, like the old Carl Goldberg kits or GWS or Guilos you know, or SIG mm-hmm. for that matter. In some instances, a Clark White airfoil, slap it on there, you'll be okay. But the, the models that really fly well across the spectrum of manufacturers I can think of over the past 30 to 40 years. Uh, when we're sort of moving out of the build it in a box, built from a box sort of era. They're. Each sort of brand, you could call it, they have their standout aircraft. And the reason, like, think of a brand and think of the best one, whatever whatever aircraft you're thinking of, that aircraft was designed. It wasn't just made. It was designed. Right. That's why it's the best one. The Radian, to me, one of the best flyers ever um, from eFlight and Horizon. It's because it was designed. Right. It wasn't just thrown together as a glider. It was designed to be the best um, at what it does. Um, gosh, the ultra flash from BVM. That aircraft is probably the best turbine out there because it was designed to be that way. There's someone, some guy, some woman, some team sitting behind that aircraft saying, ah, we should probably change that airfoil.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we
5: should probably do this or that. That decollage is way off than, than what we thought, you know. And if they shortcut, you get a middle of the road aircraft. If they hunker down and say, we're going to retool the mold and make it better, you know, you get. You get the top of the you get the top the tip of the spear.
0: Wow. Well, one of the other questions I had was, and I don't know if you touched on it briefly, was so you get the CNC model that flies pretty good, and then have you had instances where you do the whole mold process and then yeah, you're like, ah, it's not really <laughs> flying that well. Uh, yeah. What, what happened? Yeah, here?
5: we have. It it doesn't happen often because again, if if it happened wrong, congratulations, you just bought a Ferrari.
2: Right. Um, yeah.
5: you know, that, that doesn't run by the way, right. you know, so, um, it hasn't happened very often, but, um, we've talked about this in the past on hobby squawk with the 80 millimeter a 10 from Freewing. It's about three and a half years old now, four years old, which is amazing. It was like yesterday, but that aircraft was at the time it was and still today, it's the largest PNP uh, a 10 warthog. To an eighty millimeter, seventeen hundred millimeter wingspan, just a big bruiser of an aircraft. Wow. We wanted it to fly like a trainer, and it does. But the only reason why it does is because we needed to change the wing mold. Now, when I'm talking about molds of aircraft of a certain size, molds are sort of organized by frames, um, sort of like not unlike frames at a at Target for for picture frames for your kids. They're sort of that eight and a half by eleven or that. 8 by 10, that 11 by 14, you know, those sort of different aspect ratios. So it is with frames. These are industrial size frames that are whose dimensions are set by what else the factory is molding. They might be making shoes, bike helmets, beer coolers, airplanes, all that sort of stuff. So I mentioned that because all of that, um, all of that information comes into play with sort of how we're uh, how we're deciding what to make and when we make it, if that, if that makes any sense. So, so the mold frames are set by different um, by different sort of overall dimensions. And so with the A-10, we needed to have three different molds to make that aircraft. Well, as it turned out, the wing, the math, we were a little off and the wing on the f- final EPO aircraft was too flexy. The aircraft ended up to be a little too fast. And when you're banking and cranking, the wings flex just a little bit too much. And so, you know, it's decision time. Do you underpower or do you reduce the power of the aircraft, reduce the weight? There are some advantages there. It's going to be lighter, cheaper, more floaty. Uh, and you don't, you're never really going to be hitting the speeds where you're inducing a force sufficient to to flex the wing uh, beyond acceptable. Or do you rebuild the wing? Um, we opted for the latter. And probably one of the best decisions we've ever made because the A-10 turned out to be this Amazing performing aircraft, one of our top sellers and continues to be. And it, it was one of the aircraft at the time in 2016 that really put us on the map. We had, we had done a few, we had done three years of aircraft prior, but the A10 and the F14 were those aircraft where they said, whoa, somebody's doing something because that aircraft flies great. Um, so it costs money, costs a lot of money, but. Again, if you're in this business because you want to make money, you're, you're in the wrong business, friend. <laughs> right. If you're in the business to, to build a reputation and, and have people sort of trust putting their wallets in the sky with something you made, you have to make the call. Um, and I thankfully, imagine, go ahead.
4: I, I could imagine it, your reputation could be hurt if you had, say, underpowered it or made it slower. Because, I mean, you know yeah. modelers as well as we do. They're all going to stick yeah. a bigger motor or a bigger yeah. something. Uh-huh. And then they're going to be breaking wings left and right. And then everybody's going to say, oh, well, that's it's no yeah. good.
5: Absolutely. Have, that's where it comes to, to the s- back where I was saying, like, you have to know the customer. You have to listen to them. And because I, mean, I wouldn't have liked to fly it like that. And so it makes it sort of easy to say, yeah, my guess is George and Kevin. They're not going to want to fly it like that. Yeah. Um,
3: well, I've still got mine. I absolutely love it. It's just, you know, it, it'll it fly any way you want to. If you want to fly it slow, you want to come underneath the power line inverted, screaming wide open, you can do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. It's just, <laughs> um, and it's tough. I mean, you, you can do, I've done full speed snap rolls with it just to see if it would come
5: apart. All right. Yeah. And, uh, that was the it, first aircraft where we, um, Remember, George, we we're talking about that years ago now. This is the first aircraft where we, it's a foam aircraft. People say it's a foamy, but inside that wing, there's a, there's a plywood lattice structure. It's a rib structure that's identical to your conventional RC airplane, like a balsa wow. airplane. We've got ribs in there. In addition, there are intersecting carbon, uh, rods. In addition to there's, um, there's anhedral outboard of the 810s, uh, uh, nacelles. So, to, to sort of hold that angle, that, that nice upward angle that's characteristic of an A-10, there's aluminum plates in there. There's actually an entire bulwark system of interlocking plywood, um, carbon fiber, aluminum that all ties into the main landing gear so that those forces are distributed, landing forces are distributed uh, upon impact, and also those flying loads are distributed throughout the wing structure. So I sort of, sometimes I chafe at the notion of, that's oh, just a foamy. It's, yeah. Not really. It's a a hybrid. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's a hybrid. see
0: your point there. Wow.
3: Yeah. Mm Yeah, I I, I got to see the insides of uh, of one of those wings up close and personal after OV-10. Tried to kill me with his uh, when I was in a Corsair. But but, uh, it's just amazing how they're built and how tensile they are.
5: I mean, you could grab one wing and pick up the whole aircraft. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's the fun part too. Is um, when we talk about you almost put on a different hat when you're going from a helicopter uh, to a balsa aircraft. To a you know we just had a 120 size cub come out something from that to that and then back to a foamy. You know it, it the the equations are similar. Some of them are identical, but there are a few that are completely different. When you're when you mention tensility, right? You want a surface that is supple. One of the advantages of foam is it's going to flex a little bit. That's, that's your, that's your cushion. Um, you want to, you want that to be balanced. My favorite word you want to find that balance where it, it's locked in at all speeds. And yet if you're going to bank and crank it, or if you're going to snap roll that AL 37 airliner, like I did on video uh, in December, you know, it's going to snap roll and then it will recover. So, some aircraft, it's, um, I'm often asked, you know, are some aircraft difficult to design than others? Absolutely. Some aircraft have a much narrower threshold between fly and die. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> some of them, they're very wide. You know, Radian, that Shrike, very wide threshold. We're okay. Um, AL-37, A-10, L-39, F-18, those aircraft are very, they're narrow. You can do them wrong very quickly. So we try to design away from those
4: going back for just a moment to the very initial design before you do the CNC and you are talking about how like some things uh, like Reynolds numbers and all this stuff doesn't scale. The mm-hmm. more you do for a certain type of airplane, do you kind of just know well, it's going to have to be like this? Because I know this will work for a, you know, a high wing Cubs Top plane or an EDF or or whatever, do you kind of get experience and and just know that this is how it's got to have to be, even though it's not exactly scale, or do you kind of have to figure that out each time?
5: Yeah, Andy, good good question. And the short answer is again, it, it depends. We always sort of apply our our previous lessons, the, the culmination of of what we've learned in all aircraft thus far. So far, I've done about forty of these, so you can sort of take all of that data. And we apply our best guess to the first revision, to the first uh, version of the CNC. Um, but probably 50% of the time, well, 80% of the time, it's, it's not exact. In in fact, it's probably 90%. It's never exact. But at least 50% of the stuff will transfer. Um, we, we tried to try, we tried to take 80 millimeter class as an example. We had to take that EDF. We introduced the 80 millimeter size. Seven years ago or so, and said, We think this is the best balance between 70 millimeter and 90 millimeter for cost and size and consumption and et cetera. And so now we're sort of really good at making 80 millimeter size jets. Um, the Reynolds numbers for, say, an L 39 versus an F 22, they're going to be different, but not within, they're not so far apart that this first CNC won't at least fly.
2: You know? Yeah. You at just want kind it.
5: Close. Exactly. If you can get close enough, you can fly it. As long as that first CNC doesn't die, um, you can get data. And, and every flight that it lives, you get more and more data. Now, we, we've lost CNC prototypes on the maiden flight. Absolutely. We've lost some of them when we were 10 flights in or 50 flights in and had not yet gotten all the data we needed, in which case you, you, you get to go spend a couple grand and make another one. Yeah. <laughs> so Jeez. part of what I... Part of what I sort of live off of is the thrill of, um, when I fly something, it's usually the only, it's only, it's usually the only one in the world. And when I fly something, it's not only the only one in the world, but it needs to live a hundred flights or I need to go make another one Mm -hmm. and that's time and money. And so the, that's probably as quote unquote high stakes as it gets on the development side, because, you know. If you're wrong, it's it's you know,
2: your post. Uh, <laughs> okay, wow, but I, imagine, I like that.
0: <laughs> that's so much more of a pucker effect, as they say, than uh, flying any helicopter yeah, I've ever flown. <laughs> Jeez,
2: yeah. 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 Do, do you Seriously. ever get
5: used to that out um, No, no, I, I get nervous every time. Not afraid to say. Every time I I look at um even for my students when I used to teach, I'd say every single time you move your sticks, you look at your controls. You say left is left, right is right, and you're looking at the controls while you're moving your sticks. You know, I've never lost an aircraft to reverse aileron because I never forget that a reverse aileron could kill anyone. Any airplane. It just mm-hmm. and I'm fine if that's the way the hobby is, but in that moment when I'm flying the only prototype that exists. And I'm on a timeline. I can't afford for preventable errors. And so I've, I've compensated for my lack of ability with an enhanced discipline to pre-flight, pre-flight, pre-flight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, math, 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 CG, CG, CG. We just, you know, I'll spend 30 minutes on an aircraft before it goes up because again, you you can't afford to lose it. It's, you know, I think a lot of that is just people's desire to the
3: mad dash to get media on Facebook or Instagram or something. A lot of times they, you know, they got the model built, they've got their receiver in there and got everything set up. They think they they, yeah. didn't, they just didn't go over it that last time. Yeah. Check it before they
5: got out there and started yeah.
3: you know, trying to get some, I mean,
5: arranged us, let's be honest, brothers. Like how many of us arranged us every morning,
2: you know, <laughs>
5: no. you know, but like, it's something that like, And as a normal flyer, when I'm in California, the Apollo flying, I don't range test every flight. Um, but these days I do. You just have to. You have to. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's when I do take the hobbyist, the hobbyist pilot hat off and I put the developer hat on because it's my head. If that aircraft dies, um, I need that data. So, and what we end up, um, (laughs) when CNCs, I should say, when, when CNCs, survive they usually end up i need to post a picture of this on instagram or something georgia we ended up they end up having writing all over them and you know, we'll take a sharpie and we'll draw we'll say um reduce this or this surface mm-hmm. needs to be larger or whatever and so they end up having this this chinese and english text all over them um sort of like an art form these big white airplanes with with black tattoos and red arrows and all these sorts of things drawn nice. onto them because we take that, we'll make a second CNC, or nowadays with 3D printing and, and rapid prototyping, we can make modifications uh, to the ducting outlets or other types of things. So we try and leverage extant technologies from other industries to make our workflow more efficient. It's how we can control cost. But um, that is sort of always one of those fun things about getting to the end of the road. Is you can look back and say, hey, that one survived.
2: And by no, the way, I, I
3: should also say well, – go ahead, George. I, I would love to see those kind of pictures. I don't know about everybody else, but oh, yeah. you know, especially oh, yeah. you know, especially like a plane like the, you know the, uh, the new AL thirty seven. I mean, I, I have never in my life seen a platform that people can just express themselves on as as good as this thing has been. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable the different liveries that people have put on that thing. But mm-hmm. to see like maybe some of those pictures of it, you know notes, you know, um, we used to call them maker's marks. Um, yeah. You know, about Maker. what, you know, what do we need to do here? Let's strengthen this here and there. I think it'd yeah. be fascinating to see stuff like that in the threads uh, on hobby squad. Shucks, I've got a, I'd
5: have, a, I have a whole graveyard in the factory. I need to take them down because right now, like the F-22 stacked on top of an airplane that we haven't made yet and may never, you know, part of that life cycle, the editing process is, We've got an aircraft, but it's not yet ready for prime time, or the Air Force yeah. Skyhawk. We developed it as a 70, but at the time we noticed that the market was changing, people wanted sort of larger. So we parked that airplane for two years before we realized the market wants that in a larger size. So we took the CNC, we upscaled it to 80 millimeter, redid the math, and then cut the mold. So I could get you a picture. It'd be fun. Um, but right now, they're just, it's, it's an airplane graveyard right now with all these prototypes up there. They're sort of hanging on the top. Yeah. I need to edit that photo to make sure no one saw. Hey, you're making the Yak 13 or something. You know? <laughs> Don't want to put that away. <laughs> yeah. That should be a great way to troll the audience. I leave one that we've that we've parked for years and just let it be seen. I'm sure someone's going to pixel peep and say that looks like <laughs>
2: yeah, it <yeah. laughs>
0: looks like a Hinkle 111.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, George,
0: we should also add. Uh, you know, if somebody wants to see all the different livery pictures the uh, Hobby Squawk has a thread going
3: there, or uh, on the uh, Motion RC. Was it fan community? Yeah, in the fan community. Oh, yeah, okay. On on Facebook. Is that a Facebook? Okay, good. And um, it's just it's unbelievable. Some of these, like there was one that was a Pixar, um, yes, movie uh, livery, Toy Story, and Toy Star Story. Wars,
2: yeah.
5: just, mm.
3: all, just all kinds so, of stuff, and yes. uh, it's just it's just fascinating.
5: I was it's happy like, to see that there are four or five left seats and right seats in um in Hobby Squawk. There are a couple of guys who raise their hand and say, Yeah, I, I actually fly aircraft, you know. <laughs> I'm a heavy i I I fly one guy flies Airbus, another guy flies Boeings, and I know Victor Czechinko flies uh, for Southwest and I believe Jeremy flies for United. So it's it's always nice to sort of see that airline models being flown by airliner pilots. Yeah. I got a kick out of that.
0: Mm-hmm. And it must be a great airplane to fly and it must be a you know an enjoyable airplane to fly that people are taking all this time to put hours into you know their airbrushing and and all this stuff they're doing to these planes it's a, it's awesome
5: yeah yeah there's we, we've gotten a lot of sort of flack over the years for sort of being on the one hand you're praised for sort of ushering in the golden age of EDFs or whatever people say uh, on the other hand people say you're responsible for killing kits. Because everything's PNP now, um, so it's that balance between we're trying to make things more convenient as a hobbyist. I like to just fly anything. I don't care who makes it. I just if I see something, I want to buy it. Um, I'm going to get that Flex F100. I'm going to buy everything I can just because I that's who I am. Um, at the same time, you want to have this balance with um, with just what people want and what you're going to give them. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you could be accused of killing kids because it wouldn't sell if that's not what people want. People want to just be able to buy it, spend an hour putting it together, and then go yeah. fly. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
5: yeah. So we want to say it's convenient, but still, w- the reason why we brought in balsa with Black Horse uh, is because we still and we're still builders. PNP is great, but you know, times like this, I bet everyone's wishing they had a big old also kit in front of them to go build like
2: mm-hmm.
5: building taking out the airbrush we brought in the benchcraft airbrush line last week um whether you've got an iwata or a harding steinbeck or, or one of ours just take out an airbrush if you have a paintbrush take out a paintbrush i'm really i frankly don't care how people rc i just want to know that they're rc yes <laughs> it gets into the larger conversation of sort of where is our hobby now where is it going are we afraid or I, i'm not afraid because as long as each of us individually are, are seeing and are committed to proliferating our love, we're okay. If we all stay in our basements, yeah, the hobby's in trouble. But I don't believe that that's the case. I believe that each of us, we have to share what we do. because oh, That's yeah. why we're on a podcast with four, four stations around the world right now.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> we can't
5: help ourselves. <laughs> uh-huh. can't help ourselves.
0: So Alpha, is my last question to this whole design process is they're uh, ever been a plane that you've wanted to do but couldn't do? It? I know you've probably answered this on other podcasts. Dozens, yeah, dozens, yeah, huh? dozens,
5: nice. dozens, dozens. There, there are aircraft that we've parked um, because the timing is not right. There's the there are aircraft that we've parked uh, that we've frankly looked at and said probably never. Um, I'm known for saying when people always ask Alpha what's next, what's next. The running joke is we're, we're announcing aircraft and. We set the timer, whether it's a minute or an hour before someone says, okay, what's next?
2: Um, (laughs)
5: that's fun. You know, that's, that's cool. I like that. (laughs) But, but my favorite answer to that is, is to cheekily say, well, everything, everything is next. As long as we're here, as long as we're doing what you want us to do and you keep supporting us, everything is coming. It's just a matter of sort of what's going to come first or next. Is, is what you want going to be the next one I make? Probably not statistically, you know, improbable, but you know, over the next sort of two, three, five, 10, 20 years, you know, you can get what you want. Probably. Um, there are aircraft that we've had to take off the docket just because of aerodynamics. Um, and just because we, what we know, we know enough to know, uh, I don't know, a, a B-58 Hustler. I'm a big Hustler fan, but you know, a B-58 Hustler, a, a, a quad 70 millimeter Hustler's, going to be two meters long and i'm not going to be able to sell it for the 200 hundred dollar price point people want it for it's just yeah, you know right. it's a non-starter um something like uh like the f14 was a great example the f14 that we made four years ago now when we began its development we were just new to the rc game and frankly the edf world was just sort of beginning they're mm-hmm. just figuring out okay 70 millimeter probably shouldn't be three 3s you should probably have four 4s we're just sort of just sort of really pr- planting the roots of what modern EDF tech is as of today. But at the time, most of our customers were either uh, Warbird guys or Balsa guys coming in from Nitro or, or Glow or what have you, um, but there weren't a lot of jet drivers. At the same time, everyone sort of had F-14 on, on, that was their unicorn. When's the F-14 coming? We made an F-16 first. That's cool, but we want an F-14. And quite frankly, we thought, wait, I've seen I've seen some of y'all fly. I don't, I don't think the f 14 <laughs> <I think I'm laughs> ready that. for f 14. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, this is this is 2013. I mean, you look back. I mean, people were buying 6S 4000 batteries for $200. I mean, this was a different time. 15C batteries at that. So so looking at what the technology could do Looking at sort of where the average skill set was for an aircraft category that did not yet exist, all of those reasons, we parked the F-14 for almost a year. We waited until we saw the feedback on our on our previous aircraft and sort of felt a bit more comfortable about putting a big you know, hundred-plus mile an hour swing-wing F-14 Tomcat in the sky, um, and designed it to sort of be. That one was a bit unbalanced. We purposely made that airplane a little scary because we didn't want someone to say, oh, that's like their F-86. I'm just going to go throw a battery and angle fly it. Um, you know, you want to have clear demarcations to sort of maintain safety at all times. But, but to get back to your question as to are there products that we've killed or projects that we've parked? Absolutely. And I can give. I'll give you a quick list because just because I say this, guys, don't crucify me. Doesn't mean that we're not going to make it. It just means it's an example of a product of a project we've decided not to make yet, but we have looked at it. Um, the B fifty eight Hustler is on there. The Concorde is on there. Uh, we did a B twenty four Liberator recently, so of course we looked at other four injured bombers um, and and big heavies um, on the Warbird single engine side. We've. We've done a lot of warbirds. We've looked at civil, but that gets into the question of licensing, which is a big uh, hurdle. Oh, yeah. so, a lot of sort of products that I would love to do, we, we frankly just we can't. Um, so there's a on everyone's unicorn list or top fives. There's probably at least one of your list is on my list of projects that we've parked or may not do or will do. We're just going to do them. We're just going to do later. Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. my C one nineteen, yeah. Like, like, like your C one, like your box car, um, like or your C one nineteen. That's uh, sorry, George. That one's going to be a while.
0: <laughs> the Concorde would be an amazing uh, plane oh, yeah. to yeah. see. I don't know if that's something I would go out and purchase or something I would want to own, but it would be great to see.
3: I, yeah, I the space shuttle with like. 370 millimeter edf's in it (laughs) i mean there was nothing that would make me stand up and just the patriotic blood flow through my system like seeing that space shuttle come in and touch down are we going to launch it with rockets i don't know i I just seem to take it off like a regular plane but but wouldn't that be awesome coming in high? We're going to go altitude. put it on that airliner.
1: <laughs> yeah, put it on the airline. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> we're gonna make it that 747.
1: I finished that thing.
3: Oh, listen, it'll be done before the end of the week, probably after people listen to this podcast. They'll say, oh, gosh, I got to go do that. I'll make one about, you know, 16 inches, 18 inches long. Yeah.
5: Well, it brings up a good point, George. I mean, we're talking sort of wider hobby and what people want versus sort of what we've been talking about of what it takes to get a model off the ground. Um, You can then imagine, I don't even need to say it, but the time a product reaches someone's storefront, um, the onus to sort of move that product and recoup the previous 18 to 22 months of investment is high. Um, My sort of, my thing that I try to say at at every opportunity is for everything that we, speaking as an RC industry, anyone, any company, for for any new product that, that we as modelers see, it's statistically likely that most of those products are going to be things that we individually don't want, which is fine. My, my call to action for anyone listening is if that's something you like, get it. If it's the size you, you like and it's exactly what you wanted, get it. If it's, if it's sort of close, but it's a little too small, or a little too big or whatever, consider getting it. But if it's something you had never, ever wanted and that you actually, you think it's ugly, fugly, or expensive or heavy or whatever that's okay too but the very least we're asking everyone to do is forward the link to someone you think might like it if that little 64 millimeter f8 crusader isn't your cup of tea that's fine we can still be friends but forward it to the guy that you know flew a thunder chief and might want to might want to fly a crusader um if you're i'm not i'm not a big cub guy but every cub that i see i forward to my my friends in, in alaska i was born in alaska Saying, hey, you guys, you guys fly these things in real life. You might want a big model. The reason why I encourage people to do that is I think I've seen enough now to think that it's, it's really easy to to sort of fall into the I want this. And so I'm going to sit back and wait to see if the hobby is going to deliver what I want. And if and until they do, I'm, I'm going to continue to sit here. I think we all do the hobby a disservice by not, by sort of waiting on the sidelines. If and until it's something we're personally excited about. I know a lot of people who know a lot of airplanes that I would never get myself. But if I see any of those products actually somehow make it across this long, uh, this long, uh, race that I've been describing, um, that product deserves to be seen by those people. So it's my job then shifts from, from customer to, to, uh, cross linker. You know, Uh, I think we can all do the best for the hobby by at least sharing those links and sharing those products because you know a couple of duds in that factory that you're waiting for to make a Concorde, you know, they're gone. They're, right. It they won't be there to give anyone anything. And that doesn't help anyone. Yeah.
0: So. And that's something we do every week. We have a news and announcement and any, any new thing that we see, we, whether we fly it or not, we usually talk about it and mention it.
5: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's in motion or, you know,
5: my 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 sort of metrics are if it's if it's safe and if it's supported, um, it's worth a shot. And some some areas, even some aircraft within a given company or distribution network, are not going to meet both of those criteria. Yeah. Um, there are some free wing aircraft. Just to be fully candid, there are some free wing aircraft that we don't sell, and for a reason. We weren't in on the project. We don't like how they fly. They don't meet um, the support and the uh, they don't meet both of those criteria. So we don't yes. so we don't sell them. But I any mean, we have to trust that at some point by the time they make it off the finish line, like, if we're dealing with a distributor that we can trust, it's it's an aircraft worth giving a shot.
3: Awesome. Tell so, us about where motion is with the with helicopters.
5: Uh, great question. So Motion RC, again, we're based out of Illinois, so a lot of our um, a lot of our emphasis to date has been in expanding the scale helicopter crowd and mm-hmm. and not expanding them only, but really sort of servicing them where they're at. Uh, in throughout north america so our existing partnership with robon as their exclusive north american distributor allows us to really sort of be the mouthpiece back and forth um where we're at currently is it's a weird spot to be perfectly honest we're at a place where they're selling as quickly as we can make them normally that's a good thing right um we get them they're gone someone calls and says where are they out of stock we say we're sorry we're making more Normally, that's it. That's a good sort of spot to be in. Certainly, better than they've been sitting on the website for three years and no one, yeah. no one wants <laughs> to fly these thing. anymore. Yeah, warehouse full of old stock. I mean, in in any product oriented business, if something sits for two or three months. Again, you're toast. So, so the good news is they're moving um, as as quickly as we can make them. The challenge, I think, is that in in our imaginations. We believe that the market is so much larger. We believe that, and I'm not talking the market of people who would buy them or operate them competently. I'm just talking about the the, the world of people that would just talk about them, that would go <laughs> gaga over photos, that would like a Facebook post or that would watch a YouTube video. Um, we see a lot of people sort of on the sidelines. We see a, a fraction of the percentage of people who buy a helicopter from Ocean RC, they, they disappear. Um, they don't call customer service. There's nothing wrong with the helicopter. They never come back for scrub parts, maybe blaze from time to time, but, but they don't go to Facebook. They don't go to Instagram. They don't go to, um, Hobby Squad. Now, on the one hand, that's fine. You know, I'm not here to micromanage how someone enjoys their hobby. On the other hand, we see that as sort of a gosh, it'd be sort of neat if, those hundred guys who just bought that Airwolf would come in and talk about that Airwolf because what yeah. that does is other people, I, I, I get the sense that there are other people, um, pilots of other products, you know, all my jet jockey buddies, for example. I've talked to them. A lot of them are sort of sitting on the sidelines and they, and they would say, well, when the, when the Airwolf becomes a thing, you know, when I see it more often, It'll check my internal box for, okay, this is sort of a viable, well supported, popular, um, widespread aircraft. No one wants, really wants to be a guinea pig. However, unfortunately, the the data that they're basing that decision off of is, is, you know, is a handful of, of helicopter events and sort of the lack of, of, um, seeing these, these types of models across every platform on a far more frequent basis. So they assume that, Oh, that means you must have sold one this past year. I don't want to be the number two guy. And I'm sitting here saying, you're not number two, dude. You're like number 400. You're okay. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, right, right. so I think the, the again, the, the call to action or the takeaway here is that if you're, if you're a Hilo driver, my, my grandfather was a helo driver who Kyle was when they're first sort of Right before he retired and right as those were coming into service. And so, you know, did the whole helicopter thing on the flight line as a kid as well. I love helicopters. But if you're out there flying helos and you love helos as much as we do, and you believe as much as we do, that there are far more of us out there flying these things that I know from the numbers and who enjoy these things, then the only thing missing is we need to talk more about them. We need to raise our hand, bring it to a field. Uh, and do all that sort of stuff to answer your question. Where we're at, George, that's where we're at. Where do we want to go? I imagine a free wing EDF airliner, and the commotion that occurs—sort of the frantic, "I've got to have, and I need one." I have these memories, and I want one. all of that sort of commotion around around a airliner. I don't see any reason why that can't happen around a UH-1. Um, yeah, not at all. I don't. I don't, I don't see. I mean. I know the average age of my customer base, you know, I know a lot of them flew UH UH-1s or or (laughs) took a ride in them in the 70s. I mean, I I know that we know these aircraft as as intimately as we know the F-15 or the airliner. We're sort of in that weird spot of just getting people who are enjoying them to try and enjoy them more publicly, which is why I love what you guys are doing and not just spotlighting Helicopters with RC in general to sort of break down the barriers between the two, between the three or the four or the five. Like mm-hmm. this should be RC period. We've committed to becoming scale RC guys. <clears throat> so I think that I happen to think the Goblin 770 or even the 700 best performance helicopter ever made. Um, are we going to bring Goblins in tomorrow? Probably not. we focus is more on the scale side, but that doesn't mean that we can't appreciate helicopters or just the magic. The magic wonders that they are. Hashtag RC Everything. Right. <laughs> yeah. You
3: yes. know, they brought me in because I was a, you know, an EDF Warburg guy and, uh, just got into helicopters a little bit. And of course, now, you know, I'm head over the hills <laughs> right. in the helicopter. But, uh, you know, I tell you what helped me a lot was some of those little, uh, XK helicopters that Motion's yeah. got. That yeah. little, um, uh, I forget what
5: XK one two
3: four, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, like EC one forty
5: five ish, blue and white. That and the little AS three fifty. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm calling so I'm calling had them had out by the their scoot yeah. their SKU yeah. names yeah. their SKU numbers. <laughs> but you're right, it's the <laughs> EC one thirty five and the AS three
3: fifty. Yeah. But um, I I flew that thing. I mean, when I first started flying it, of course, it was a mess. But I've crashed it. Broke the boom off of it. I finally took all the internals out and put it in a little UH UH-1, um, 132nd, uh, model and uh, Mm -hmm. got it, got it flying. But, you know, that really helped me kind of get my, get my feet, you know, where I I thought, you know, going from flying airplanes to helicopters couldn't be that much difference. Well,
5: yeah. Yeah it part, is. Part, yeah part it part is. But it and now you're now you're knee deep in flight controllers, right? What what flight controllers are you running? What all, what are all of these these days? I'm exclusive brain two icon two. Your brain icon, okay. Yeah. Any beast drivers? Mm,
1: not so much I anymore. Have, I
5: have one, an Axon, mm. and but I am
4: mostly brain J D yeah. brain. Uh, yeah, you're like talking Kevin you're talking are Mikado. Microbeats.
2: Yeah.
5: Oh, any of them. Yeah. I, I like the mini brain too. I mean, it's mm-hmm. easy to set up for me. Um, you know, but, uh, but yeah, there's the beast X and obviously their family. There's, a, there's a lot of good systems. I think on whole, from what I saw for sort of 15 years ago, even, or even, even 10 years ago, just the availability and trustworthiness and sort of user friendliness of flight controls around helicopters that exponential growth has really made helicopters sort of possible for a wider um, amount of people my yeah. first helicopter I flew with a single stick you mm-hmm. know these these days what they can do just <laughs> and you mentioned right. the the XK George with auto you know leveling and six axis stabilization and something that that weighs yeah. 50 grams it's it's it is sort of that's the democratization of the hobby where we've seen technology rise to make it easier for people to really try things and um is it going to be an 800 airwolf every day not necessarily but that doesn't mean it can't be and in fact a lot of those technologies are the same so you can you can learn on that on that little micro helo and then jump into a a goblin 700 and probably do all right yeah Um, you know it's
3: like um i don't know you know back in the day when people were flying fly bar type systems and stuff like that they would build a helicopter and and if they were just learning, they might get five seconds of flight time, you know, before, you know, we <laughs> oh, yeah. crashed in the ground.
2: With yep. auto
3: level, and a lot of people say, well, it just creates, you know, bad behavior and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I can see where it, it does to, to a certain scale if you want to be um, a 3D pilot or something. But I, I think it's really helped people not get frustrated with trying to fly helicopters, where, you know, they can use that until they can kind of get, familiar with how the controls are going to work and at
5: least, you know, fly it for maybe two minutes before it crashes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see a lot of people at your club, George, to come in and, and when they're looking at your helos now, do you, <laughs> do you see them sort of fall in love and say, I want to try that? Or do you, do you see them sort of say, that's really big? Um, where do they fall?
3: You think? I would say we've probably sold a, d- a dozen of the little 230s Blades just from people coming in and and just seeing how how much Steve and I've got into it and um, and just how helpful people are. You know, Andy, when I first I built my first six hundred size helicopter, it's the first helicopter I built, and um, I had a um, a Bavarian Axon in it. The
5: demon or the Axon,
3: Axon, and Andy worked on it one night for probably four hours for me in a thirty mile an hour windstorm trying to get it dialed in and i just put the thing together and was trying to fly it and it was the awfulest hot mess of stuff you ever seen in your life and, uh, yeah it
4: was a mess that's for sure
3: it was crazy i had like you know i don't know
4: uh, like 20 degrees of pitch and that's what yeah. kind of weird <laughs> throttle curve oh like man so uh, but he was flying it it was the weird part i was yeah. like that thing doesn't fly very well and then i got to look i was like oh okay well
2: yeah. Let's kind of fix it. <laughs> Maybe that's why. <laughs> but you know,
3: people, uh, you know, people see that they, there's help there, and and like um, John Coyle, he comes by two or three evenings a week. He's he was major help, getting me, uh getting me flying, helping me learn how to set up. You know, a swashplate and get it, get it good and level, and uh, you know, learning different software. And he was like me; he'd never fooled with the brain two I stuff and now i can you know because i'm using the same thing when i when i build a new helicopter i I have a a good idea of how it's going to behave when i first go out there to fly and most of the time it's pretty much what i expect so that that's been very helpful
1: awesome
3: yeah yeah i like to bring two icon on too but uh, the little helicopters really help to have them auto leveling and um being able to slam that thing into the side of the house two or three times and pick it up, glue the tail back on, and go on. (laughs) I was surprised uh, just how durable they were. Yeah, there's two or three nice ones. There's one, I forget which model number it is, but it's kind of a little 3D helicopter. And I've seen Steve Hodges' kids out here flying that thing and birdies doing barrel rolls inverted and all kinds
5: of crazy. Yeah, that's the K120. It's amazing how stable they are, but when I I go to these factories, it's a funny story regarding XK Innovations. uh, Their their test area is on the roof of the factory, one of their factory buildings. So um, they've got a lot of cars. They have a lot of uh, trucks and helicopters and stuff like that. So we're flying these tiny little 100-gram jobs. On the, on the side of a – or on the top of a roof, which is normally okay. As if you're in the column of air that's protected by the sides of that 10-story 10 10 building, you're all right. But there's one time I sort of lost control of it. Eyes are going a bit, and it it just – it probably went outboard of the perimeter of the roof probably <laughs> a foot. You know where I'm yeah. going with this, right? It, yeah. it, it blew went about – the moon. It went to the moon. It really did. It just choo! And just took off vertically, began to spin, and I I lost orientation because now it now it's two hundred feet away, this tiny little dot of a thing. But um, so so now whenever we do three D, I'm like, can I go in the parking lot? I'm I'm not, (laughs) I'm not that guy. I I can't fly these things on the roof of a building, Mm. (laughs) at the very least, keeping within these invisible vertical jets of air, (laughs) blowing up the sides of the building. Jeez. Now you're right, George. I think making Reducing the barrier of entry for helicopters specifically is going to involve demystifying the fears that people sort of have, and and sort of bringing that awe that that looks amazing down towards a place of it's amazing, but it'll hurt. And so it's a bit it's a bit of a sobering conversation. Of, that'll that'll hurt, but they're every bit as fun. And in fact, you can take something small like a Blade Two Thirty or like that XK uh, micro helo. And learn the basics, and sort of this—this this is something you can graduate into and do so safely. And in fact, I—I I tend to think that the learning curve between a micro and a seven hundred, say, is is much less, It's much smaller than, um, you know, a a, a little hobby zone champ and an F fourteen. Um, they're just you're moving in space when you're talking about a fixed wing aircraft. So helicopters, you're always going to have that that old adage of bigger flies better. Is just yeah. it's magnified with with a helicopter, so a lot of potential there. That's what we believe at Motion RC, and i I really hope we can we can capture more of that. and What we know
3: is already there. So you know, a lot of people you were talking about earlier. We have in our mind what we think these factories are like. I, I imagine after you know getting a little color from you over a few different podcasts that um, that you know. It's not like we've got a twenty four seven operation over there. People cranking out these these uh, robon helicopters and, and and stuff like that. They they come in. They, they build some and then they wait
5: or what? I mean, it's not like yeah. There, so there's it varies because um, I think you're speaking towards you know one of the challenges we've had with with a certain category, a certain sort of class of of manufacturer is. Um, is stockouts, you know, keeping, we have these long lists of people who will put in an email for something for a spare part that they're waiting on or for a helicopter that they're waiting on. Quite frankly, by the time they check their email that afternoon, the product was restocked and there are more people who got to the website before that individual did. So then yes, the product's going to sort of wait until the next shipment. So the interval between shipments with a company like Freewing is you, you ship them sort of every other day. You're just always moving product. With, with a company like Robon or really any of the, um, that sort of echelon, I could, I could probably put Skymaster in there, um, or or, FABO or sort of turbine drivers. These, these larger composite aircraft, once you're crossing the thousand dollar threshold, thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand plus, you're sort of in a, in a smaller, more discerning pool where, you get into this odd feedback loop of people want them, but you can't make them fast enough. And if they can't get them, then they think they shouldn't want them. And, and sort of that, how do you as a factory address that? Either of two ways. One, you make one thing instead of 20. Um, You, you focus. (laughs) DJI makes (laughs) four drones and an action camera. That's all they make. Um, Mm -hmm. And they, they, they can pour a billion dollars into just that operation um a, a factory like robon and they we don't even sell every helicopter that they make they, they, they they're upwards of 50 different sort of skews not to mention the spare parts many of which are not universal so one one way at it to um to reduce the interval between any specific product in that line to be available is you reduce the total number of products that isn't so that's great for consistency. It's poor for choice. The other option is you spend a couple million dollars and you double the factory. Um, the challenge there you, is, is it's, it's obvious you, you need to know, you need to know that the market, that you're not just a, a handful of people short. And in fact, doubling your operation is going to take care of those handful of people, but now you're going to be 95% overproducing. Right. So this, again, magic word balance, finding that balance in a complex kinetic market with the odd, not in a bad way, but just it's a very unique sort of, um, uh, equation as pertains to scale helo drivers. All of that, all of that math, it's really difficult to find, um, it's really difficult to find that balance. It's difficult to always have what we want in stock. At the same time that we're developing new things that we want, at the same time that we're, um, investing in improving legacy products that we sort of adopted over the past couple of years that were, that were made in the past, but we, we sort of want to put our own stamp on them. And all of those, all of those mouths need be fed. And so, um, that's where I think part of what we try to do as Motion RC and what I'd imagine any sort of larger RC company is going to try and do is they're going to, they're gonna try and take some of the resources or the time or the assets from one sort of kitty and divert it into other kitties. So for example, free wing, what they make top of the line, um, it's it's very easy for us to produce, I think, world class products um in those categories. That frees me up to be sort of at robon more more often. Our team can be more hands on. Um And that is, this isn't just about throwing money into a fire to to make it go out, but also making those tactical decisions, talking to pilots, going to events, sort of listening for where the industry is going to make that decision. Okay, I think some people aren't happy, but I think we're all right, or this is the time where we need to make a significant investment in sort of reaching out to, 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 um, to bring in a wider swath of customers and make a bunch more people happy. So, um, all of that is competing. It's all competing for resources. So again, nothing rocket sciencey, just you're, you're balancing resources. Um, Robon's run by a German individual, good friend of mine, especially over the past four years. And he, I can say that he agonizes over the development of new products. And, um, as one of those people who's meticulous for detail, he runs his factory, very, very tightly. And actually, George, I should answer your question more directly um, or your supposition more directly. Products aren't made sort of on individual runs. At any given day, the factory is a 18-hour operation uh, with staggered shifts. And they're always producing, whether it's spare parts or fuselages or whatnot. Now, there are different phases because the guy who does the fiberglass molds That's what he does. He's, he's a fiberglass specialist. He's not going to go pull 3d or he's not going to pull, um, resin cast molds for the cockpit assemblies. All he does is fiberglass. So the, the only law you would see is while the factory would be open, you would see, well, today is mostly a painting day. So those painting teams are on deck and they're painting. Um, and obviously staggering they're they're looking at an order. Like we got X amount of weeks to sort of finish this. And this is what we need to do at this point in time to, Get everything in that container. So, um, not unlike I imagine any other consumer product. It's just we're talking RC here.
3: Yep. That surprises me that they, they do have a constant,
5: you know, workflow. Yeah. Yeah. Six days a week. The Robon oh, wow. and like many factories in Asia, they live on, on site. Uh, more than 50% of the workforces of a lot of our major factories that They live on site, food is provided on site Mm. and they work their shifts typically eight or nine hours. Then they do their own thing. And obviously they leave (laughs) while the other shifts come in. But, um, I mentioned that they live on site and that there's no sort of commuting. There's no you're when you're there and when it's your time to work, you walk into the other building and, and get to work. So it allows us to be very responsive, but, um,
1: I don't know if we want to really go into this, but because it seems like a lot of these companies, they do have like folks living on site and within, I guess, the community and everything. And then this whole um, coronavirus coming out—I mean, that must have impacted so much.
5: Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, It was significant in in an odd way, not the way that. Um, it's not like the factories had an outbreak at the factory, because what happened, <laughs> mm-hmm. the timeline is, is that uh, in the in those sort of initial weeks, yeah, CNY, or Chinese New Year, was happening. That is the mm-hmm. largest uh, migration of human beings in human history, every time they do it, because it gets larger every time.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: The beginning of every CNY... When they leave the cities, it's a mass exodus. It's the largest human r- migration in history. And every time, three weeks later, when they all come back into the cities, it's it's the largest human migration because more people come uh, right. into the city. So every single time, there's just these massive movements wow. of over a hundred hundreds of millions of people. Yeah, you know, it's it's the population of America moving to Canada for three weeks, and then all wow. deciding now nah, we're going to go back, and then they yeah. move back. Wow, that's the scope of what we're talking about. So. Wow. Um, where the outbreak happened was, was, was up in Canada. Everyone sort of went home into places like Wuhan, which are, which are feeder provinces, you could call it. Um, it is as close to the quote unquote city, um, equidistant between Beijing and Shenzhen that you can get without sort of being out in the boonies. Um, Wuhan is still very much a large, uh, Uh, Province. You think of like companies like Huawei and they're based there. So what happened is everyone left the factory. We said, "Have a great Mm -hmm. vacation. We'll see you guys in two or three weeks." They Mm -hmm. all left. They arrived and they shut down that province. So sixty million people, many of which were ours. Most, as you saw, Kia and Apple and everyone starting beginning to say, "Look, we're not going to be able to get our workers back. Our production's going down." We were Mm -hmm. in that same boat. You know, our workers were were available they were for the most part healthy we we thankfully did not have any um we had some hospitalizations but we didn't lose anyone thank goodness that's good yeah but they were like we'd love to work except the train system is shut down i'm 300 miles away and i can't leave the city without a permit yeah
2: so
5: so, and once i get back into your province your province is mandating that i stay at home for two weeks so i'll be here we actually have workers today who are who are a hundred feet away from their workstations, but they can't legally work because they're waiting out their quarantine times. Mm -hmm. So, um, a great cheetah flip, as we call it, a great, uh, surprise problem that we all get to deal with. But Mm -hmm. uh, again, we're clear eyed about it. This is, this is a global, this is a global thing. Um, we're not complaining or sort of surfing by any means thinking this is the end of the world or the end of the hobby or anything. It's not going to go that far, Mm -hmm. but it has, absolutely made us it has absolutely caused us to um, put a few extra things in the microsoft planner to think about and decisions to make about supply and and workforce stabilization and logistics so again all the boring things people don't really care about when they, do, they just want to go fly but you, you're flying something that we have to get to you <laughs> right
1: right yeah you it's love a flying a model. Way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You love flying a model, but the folks that are making the parts can't make the parts. And, you know, yeah. it's kind of. Well, you can't you. fly
5: an airplane with 99% of the parts.
1: You need yeah, very true. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, it depends on the part.
5: <laughs> it depends on. You're right. You're absolutely right. You don't need half of that tail.
0: <laughs> I've flown a helicopter with probably 60% of the main gear still there.
2: <laughs> hey, <laughs> definitely. <you're right. laughs> So
5: that's what I need to start doing. It's, it's the Corona version. You know, it's 80% yeah. complete. Yeah, yeah.
2: 80%.
5: <laughs> <It's> Corona light.
2: <laughs> corona <Exactly>. light, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, man.
5: Yeah. Are you guys seeing a lot of impact in your flying fields uh, thus far? I know it's just sort of beginning to grow a lot in the States. We've been dealing with it for a couple of months in China, but are, are you beginning to sort of see the, you know, can't drive there, don't want to really go fly together? Have you seen it impacting the hobby just yet?
1: I mean, it hasn't impacted me personally as far as, like, my flying hobby, but it definitely impacts just the day-to-day living in America now. Yeah. Um You know, like, it's ghost town out there. Like, I mean, my company, I'm fortunate that I'm able to work from home, but I know companies, like, I was talking to my coworker today, and he, he has a lot of um, friends that work for Apple and do, like, Genius Bar stuff and customer service, and they're like, you know, I'm like, well, I'm glad that I can work from home, and and he's like, well... I have a couple of friends who are working for Apple and they just have 2 weeks off. Like they can't work from home to do their job being a genius bar tech, but so they just end up paying them to take a 2 week vacation, you know. Um just the e- economic impact too, like thinking, you know, my company might have 4 or 500 people in the office in the Brooklyn headquarters office. Um, which isn't a lot, but if you think about it, half of those people probably go out to lunch and buy lunch and feed right. the local economy, and now that is halted. You know what's going to happen for all these smaller businesses and stuff that that rely on that you know consistent money flow. So, um, it's very oh, yeah. interesting that you know this thing, <laughs> and then and then how, and then also just how people are going crazy over toilet paper.
6: <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> just, you know, just okay. <laughs> It's just yeah, interesting there, there's uh, a lot of
2: hysteria
0: yeah. yeah from from what i've seen I, i'm still going to work i still work at uh some of the uh power uh sites the the switch and stuff like that uh i'd say the traffic in the morning is is at least 85 percent of the people are staying home like it's yeah there's not that much traffic right it's yeah. An, hmm. yeah it's insane um and it's just a strange time. And my company specifically told us, I mean, I'm fortunate to be actually working. Um, because I know there's a lot of people that mainly my company deals with a lot of business in New York city. And uh, those guys aren't going in at all. Cause none of those businesses are open. Everybody's working huh. from home. So I've been fortunate mm-hmm. enough to actually be able to do some service work. But, uh, in, in, in that case, I don't, I don't talk to anybody. They put out a more or less an email, uh, mandate stay yeah. you know stay staying, away stay six feet away and don't shake anybody's hands right. and that kind of thing i don't yeah. I, it's 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 very um it's a time we've never experienced really some companies yeah. don't have yeah. an action plan for it they're doing the best they can and uh, all in all i think people are being you know aside from the 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 daily driving and that still is taking place people are you know inconsiderate as ever uh, I think people are still being human beings. Um, yeah, from yeah. what I've seen. For sure.
5: Yeah, I've noticed a bit. Um, you know, my family stateside, and and it's you remember nine eleven. I mean, there is this aura mm-hmm. of we're in this together. And there's yeah. that initial shock, that initial oh my gosh, what is this? What's happening? And that that struggle to process exactly sort of where where our footing was because the ground had shifted. Um, yeah. But once we got through that phase, it, we galvanized around. We're all in this together, you know. Yeah. Don't I, shake my hand, elbow bump. You know, right. We can get through. I yeah. can
0: see it in, in the most of the people that I come face to face with. I can see it in their eyes. They give you that look because you don't know who has it, who it doesn't. So and you don't, and yeah. actually they don't know if they have it or they or you know or, yeah. or not or at carrots. this point. Uh-huh. So yeah. you can see that kind of worry in, in but like I said, everybody's still human beings. And everybody I've talked to has been, you know, very cool and still treating you with a little bit of respect. You know,
5: I can say, having, having sort of lived it, you could say, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm almost, let's say I'm six weeks in the future, you know, right. We were in this phase now in the States that Italy was in two weeks ago, that Korea was in three weeks ago, that China was in six weeks ago, you know, this too shall pass. It's just, it's a it's a weird couple of weeks, um, yeah. but but if that curve flattens out, or when that curve flattens out, everyone sort of gives each other that weird look and just you know, just go home, <laughs> work on something else. It passes, and thankfully that that recovery is is precipitous. I mean, almost overnight, we were able to. When I'm talking about having factory workers sort of mm-hmm. locked up, um, you know, we're talking to them morning. Noon and night, quite literally. And then one morning they said, Oh, they would let us go. We're, we're, we'll be at work in 10 minutes. So, um, everything turns back on.
0: How are those workers dealing with that? The aftermath, like, is a lot changed now? Like, do they, their daily routine changed at all? Uh, I, I would imagine it has.
5: Yeah, now, now they work a whole lot harder. <laughs> um, no, it, 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 it has changed in that, um, it changed for better or worse. I, in a nutshell, I have to say, I think it's changed for the better because people are there's a, there's a bit of a shared experience now. And like you said, I love how you say it. You know, we're all still human. So, so yes, while everyone's pocketbook is in their bank accounts lower coming out of Chinese New Year than they had usually thought, and yes, they just stayed indoors for three weeks, um, that shared experience. Mostly, we see people they're cleaner. You know, everyone's washing their hands. <clears throat> and they're still fist bumping or, or elbow bumping, but when they do that there's a bit of I don't want to you know play the violin music, but they do seem a bit more, you know, we got through that together. Um, mm. The focus is let's just, you know what do we need who's on who ran out of money? you know who's mm. got who's got food, who's got enough to sort of get yourself through the next week? you're good. you know th- we sort we sort of see more community engagement at the local sort of interpersonal level because people, they 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 recognize that everyone's in the same boat here. Everyone. I don't care if you drive a Mercedes or you, you walk to work.
2: Yeah. Everyone
5: just whatever they thought they were gonna have, you know, in their pocketbook or, or health wise or whatever, all that was cut in half and they're all and we're all gonna move back up, but we're all gonna have to do that together. So
3: yeah. you know, I know there's been a lot of lives lost in this and that that's, that's a horrible been. loss. But um mm-hmm don't you think really that the world needed something like this to kind of for like a cooling off period? I mean, because not just in America with all the political stuff going on, but just all over the world, you know, we were just at a fevered pitch and seems like this is just a good time to kind of slow down and think about what's really important, you know, Mm -hmm. not how are we going to come out of this, you know, or, you know, I, I think most Americans will probably come out to the better on this with what all, you know, but all they're getting ready to, all the money they're getting ready to throw at it. But, um, you know, I know it's not that case in all countries, but, um, I, I think just for the, the general attitude, I mean, even in the press, it seems like the bias, the bias on both sides doesn't seem to be as bad in the news, uh, last few days. I mean, I know there's the extremes on both ends, but I, I just think that, you know, like you said a minute ago, we're all coming together. You know, we don't maybe see eye to eye on everything, but like you say, it doesn't matter how you put your shoes on, you're going to be going through this one way or another, either experiencing it or experiencing the kind of be protective or on guard. You know, if you get it, try not
2: to spread it. Yep. Well, exactly. I mean,
5: Admiral McRaven, uh, Admiral William McRaven, he does that, um, he and Mark were talking about him last month. Admiral McRaven, a couple of years ago, did a did a commencement speech for what I believe was the, um, I believe it was in Annapolis. But, but he's you know, full bird adm- admiral, big sort of dude, and he his speech largely centered on well, the the point that was most um, forceful for me was he said it's all about perspective. Yeah, Think, everything comes down to perspective. And when we can see each other as the other person sees us, we're okay. Um, Stephen Hawking, another famous guy I like to read about, you know, he, he often said that what, what will galvanize human beings, these, these maps, these lines we like to draw, um, onto, onto, onto creation and say, that's, that's a border. You're that guy and I'm this guy. What makes all that go away? Well, what galvanizes us together is, is, is a shared threat, you know, either attack from aliens was, was his, he was saying, Aliens, right. when you want world peace, it's when aliens attack the world. Because yeah, right. then we're going to need to, like we see in the movies, everyone's going to have to share tech and to win. Yeah. Like, um, in, in a weird, sort of less Hollywood way, very pragmatically, something like events like this have more potential to galvanize people together if we will concede to sharing the same perspective. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely saw it um, after 9 11 or even. During the actual attacks, um, you know, you'd see that. You'd see the people and, and the way they acted and helped each other. And I was only four blocks away. Like, I felt both planes hit the, the Twin Towers mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and seeing all the debris and everything falling and just all the mayhem. But people were unified almost because of this, right? And then even after and um, the whole, I guess, the the, the things that happened after, uh, America in my opinion bonded together more than ever before you know yeah. um, and something like this where it's yeah you know it's it's coming it's a global thing it's something that it don't matter what language culture you can you can ref, you know have this same counterpart person in China or in Korea yeah. or wherever you know and kind of share that same experience even in the different countries and different cultures so it's you know, I mean who knows in in a year after this, you know, two years after this, what the global economy is gonna look like because of this.
5: Yeah, hopefully we learn a little bit of something. If a virus has mm-hmm. the sense not to discriminate between ourselves,
1: yeah. why should we? Then so why should we? Exactly. Yep.
5: Yeah.
1: What's for please. sure. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, <laughs> do we have more questions for Alpha here?
5: <laughs> I told you guys I can go for hours.
1: No, this is great. <laughs> this is fantastic. Um, but yeah, I want to see uh there's more questions or shall we move it on?
4: Uh, I guess we should move it on. I mean, we could ask you questions for hours, but yeah. we'll be <laughs> I'll be back later.
3: Yeah, yeah we'll,
4: we'll have definitely have high. you back
3: on. Yes. Do this shotgun round.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, let's. Oh, you are right. And I did not include that in here. So give me one second to get that going. So, Alpha, this is going to be a quick topic. 10 questions, and we're gonna just kind of spitball these questions about, I guess, more of like the hobby itself for you. And then, um, rapid fire, rapid answer. Yeah. Rapid fire, rapid answer. Exactly. Yes. All right. So, what order do you guys want to do this? Because we have a lot of people. We have (laughs) four, four guys here. 10 questions. How do you want to split it up? I can't, I can't see it on my phone right now. Okay. All right. So, then, um, I'll go first. Who wants to go second? And then we'll do someone third. I'll go third. All right. Here we go. So the top 10 shotgun round. All right, Alpha. So the first question is pinch or thumb? Pinch. Always. (laughs) Nice. Nitro or electric?
5: This year, uh, this year electric.
0: wow i'm surprised you even thought about that the third question is park flyer
1: or quarter scale size Uh, quarter scale nice right um do you fly airplanes with gyros
5: um no (laughs) nothing nothing wrong with anyone who wants to fly with them no hate do you but I need to see the air I'm I'm weird. I need to see how the aircraft flies aerodynamically mm-hmm. because of my role. So I sure. having a gyro obscures that. So right. that's why. But, say, it, yeah. but but to be completely fair, if, if I'm in a um if gosh, if I'm in an Electra or anything of that nature, gyro. Why not?
4: Cool. Yeah. All right. What about flying style, Scale or sport or three D?
5: Uh, well, inverting in an, an airliner while dropping the gear, I think that falls under, um, <laughs> reckless, <laughs> reckless,
2: reckless that
5: fly like I stole it or like I made it because I did.
0: Okay. Uh, next question is strap or strapless for yeah. your radio. That's a personal question.
5: Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, go strapless.
0: All right.
3: Good answer. Good <laughs> nice.
5: I hold it below my belt, like one of those kids. I don't. I don't know uh, who I could. I'm sorry. <laughs> I always feel self-conscious when I hold it like that.
1: Um. Oh, this one's going to be interesting. Let's just do. Um. Do you like to do like cheaper servos or high-end servos?
5: Um, high-end. It's what flies the airplane.
4: Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you prefer the profile style or a full fuselage?
5: Indoor profile. Absolutely. Outdoor, you know, I need a real fuselage. Yeah, that's, the, that's... the biggest profile I'll fly is the, uh, the old tech one, the 1100 millimeter Swift. Okay. They're as big as I go. Oh.
0: Okay. Uh, the next question is high KV small prop or low KV big prop?
5: Um, am I flying a GB or a Funjet?
2: Um yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh,
5: yeah. At all times on on electric, I'm going to prefer to oversquare the prop in general. Um, but um, but I'm I'm a I'm a flight consumption sort of low consumption average guy, so I'm going to say low KV. Okay. I, I always rather have higher voltage and lower amps.
1: What about? Your fun fly, something big like Joe Nall or smaller club events?
5: Um, Smaller fun fly airplane or fun fly tank shooting George's airplane on the flight line. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I like the um, I like our Avanti or probably our F-22 small enough to fit in the car without taking it apart, big
1: enough to put on a show. Well, this yeah. is more, I was trying to make, um, more referencing on like the event sizes. Like, do you like to go to big events or smaller? Oh. Uh, oh. I like small
5: events. I yeah. like not having to wait to fly once a day. I love, if I'm going to a large event, it's to talk to people. Um, no one really knows me. And so it's nice. I can secret shop and ask them how they feel about products and listen to their real answers because they're thinking they're talking to just any old guy. Um, but if I want to fly smaller events, I can fly back-to-back-to-back to back to back without the CD getting that.
1: Nice. Awesome. Okay,
5: great. How about that stick time?
1: Yeah. <laughs> all right, so that was the top ten shotgun round. Cool. Let's move it on to the planker segment. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy.
0: Oh, man.
1: <laughs>
0: Wait a minute. We have a planker segment? All right. Yeah. Plankers. Let me see if this is going to work or not work. Hold on a sec. Put your sleep bail on.
6: Hey guys, I'm here at the North American Pocket Pool Championship. So I have to whisper because I don't feel very welcome. In fact, you know what? The problem is I can't even tell who's a participant. Or who's an observer? Everybody looks the same here. They're all kind of... They're all standing in... They're all just standing around with these blank stares. Everybody seems to be busy. Counting change in their pockets. Oh, wait a minute. Now I get it. <laughs> oh. Jesus. Okay. All right. So that, that explains everybody's got their hands in their pockets. All right. Well, I'm not... True. Okay. Uh, up in the wall there, it says... Uh, uh, say thank you to our sponsor of this event, Shankman's Hand Cream. Okay, that fits. Let me see if I can get anybody. No, they're no, they're not going to let me go in here. Well, listen,
2: buddy. Listen, buddy. Listen, buddy. We got some complaints um, that you're an outsider. Everybody can see your hands. No, no, no. Don't.
6: Listen, listen. I'll leave. Just don't don't put your hands. Don't actually don't touch me with your hands. No, I
2: don't. I think it's okay. time for you to leave.
6: I'll leave voluntarily.
2: Not this way, oh. bud. Not this way. Yeah.
6: yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's get this See guy ya. out of here.
0: Poor Alpha.
2: <laughs>
6: yo, yo, yo. I'm it's that, uh, What does Steve call it? That planker thing. All right, guys. Episode 23. You know... We, we screwed up and missed it last month Was our one year anniversary Of doing this stupid shit <laughs> So I think this is month 13 Thanks Anyway um, we, we put a call out for uh, Some of the, mainly the Planker guys, but everybody To send us in questions uh, So we could help them, because a lot of guys have trouble with the RC terminology, so I thought Who better to do that than me, the Planker So here we go, I'm not going to read all these Emails, I'm just going to read uh, the words that they're looking for answers to. Okay. So, wow, some of these I never even heard of. Skids. All right, come on, guys. That's those long brown marks in your underwear. <laughs> come on. Uh, let's see. Flight pack. So, if you're, you're heading to Disney, you're going to the casinos, you're going somewhere, you have to pack a bag before you go on your flight. Come on. Fly bar. Okay, so when you take that flight on the plane, if it's a good-sized plane, they have a bar. <laughs> let's get real. Cyclic. That's only only a bicycle guy would understand that one, so I'm not How even going to go How dare you? Yaw. Wow. I don't even know what that means. That sounds like something on a country and western show. Okay, let's see if I can find another one that we can answer for you. Drive gear. So, you know, when you get in the car and you move they have the shifter with the little pointer it's called a Prndl. it goes P-R-N-D-L All right so you, you go from the P to the D that's your drive gear that's to go come on guys everybody knows that um, let's see here's a couple here EDF yeah, I think that refers to I've heard guys call me that EDF I think it means extremely dumb fuck uh, it could be extraordinary dumb fuck I'm not sure in runners and outrunners. Okay, so when you have like a pet mouse in in the little thing, and they have the little wheel that they run in, so sometimes the mouse runs on the inside of the wheel, sometimes they try to run on the outside of the wheel. That's an in runner and an outrunner. That's what that is. Okay, uh, gyro. Well, that's easy. I mean, I may not be a, a Greek, but that's a Greek sandwich. Come on, guys. Uh, tail wag. I see that on some YouTube videos some hot chicks shaking their ass uh, so it's kind of like an ass dance let's say yeah it's an ass dance tail wag okay, some of these I don't this one just says tiktok what the fuck are you rushing me buddy come on relax collective well listen if you got a problem with collective you got to stop borrowing money and you won't be having these guys looking to collect their money I mean come on this uh, guy's so cool. let's see if I got any more here I don't know. Half of these I don't understand. Head speed? I don't even want to get into that one. <laughs> Alright, that's enough for me today. Let's, uh, let's go on to the next thing. Whatever the next thing is, let's go on to it. So we've got some free fall stuff coming up. We'd like to make an announcement for her. Hold on. Let me go to the website and get all the dates correct. All right. So um, let's see. Wow. According to this, we are on episode, latest episodes, 128, SAB with Bert and Kyle. <laughs> all right. I thought we were at 230. No, I guess not. Okay, now, uh, this what episode. What was that? And, uh, <laughs> okay, Freefall RC Helifest. Uh, fourth annual Helifest. Fourth annual Freefall RC Podcast Helifest 2018.
0: Okay. Oh, because this is what's on our website.
6: Oh, it, it says Saturday, June 22nd, 23rd. Oh, is that? November. Oh, shit. Yeah, we have an update on our website now. a bit. <laughs> oh, man. Um, hmm. News and announcements. Third annual Freefall RC Podcast HeliFest 2018. <laughs> oh, you're looking at my No. Okay. Thanks, Mike. You know Maybe we can't I got do this everything. All wrong. Let, me Let me check the calendar. That. What does the calendar say? No, this says 2020. Huh. I don't know what that's about.
4: Damn it, Steve! I
6: have no idea what this means. <laughs> oh well. And thank you for calling Freefall RC Podcast. Please press 1 for information about the George Baker low-hanging power line collision insurance.
2: Please press 2
6: if you're Kevin's neighbor and you have been watching him try to open his front door with the wrong keys for more than one hour. Please press 3 to leave a message for the Chinaman. Please press 4 to attend the Andy Ross How to Fly Without Anyone Seeing You class. Please press 5 for the George Baker Speed Reading Course. Please press 7 if you'd like to find out why we skipped 6. Hey guys, this is IX12 here. I put IX13 in a trash bag and stuck him in the closet for a while.
3: I wanted you four to know I have obtained some compromising photos of Mike D. What does that dipshit say? Plankity, Plank. Plank. I have them available for a reasonable fee and would like to discuss terms.
6: Hi, this is Mrs. Ann, and I really wish you guys would lay off of my William. He's, uh, he's not such a bad boy. He's always taking on him. It's not his fault, you know, that he pees the bed. Oh... <laughs> oh.
1: Well, they know it now. Oh, my God. Oh, sh... That's that's it. That's it, okay. (laughs) That's
5: funny. Uh, George Baker's speed reading class?
3: Yeah. (laughs) That's old. Oh, Oh, my God. I'm telling you, brutal. (laughs) He's kind of like a box of chocolates, you know. You just never know what you're going to (laughs) get. Yep.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. He's crazy. He puts a lot of
3: time into that. Yeah,
0: he does. He yeah. wastes a lot of time, doesn't he?
1: Yeah. Yes, he does.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh.
1: okay, let's move it to news and announcements. All right, news.
4: And announcements.
1: All right, what do we have?
4: Nailed it. Nailed, Nailed it. it. Uh, canceled. <laughs> <laughs> canceled due to... COVID-19, everything. Ah.
2: <laughs> Not going now, <on>, baby.
4: <laughs> Rotor Live was canceled, as everybody mm-hmm. knows. Uh, the Toledo Week Signals show canceled. The Flipper Funfly at Torches down in Orlando has been canceled. I just saw tonight that the Birmingham Fun Fly has been canceled, and they said uh, they're going to try to reschedule late May or June. Cajun Helifest, and I don't know about Joe Nall yet. As far well, as I know, not. it's still on.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing from all my volunteer people that we work with that uh, they're going to have it no matter what. Yeah, good luck.
0: You know, there hasn't yeah. been a case in West Virginia. I think we should send the Planker to West Virginia see if we can have the Helifest uh, scheduled for West Virginia. See if the Planker makes it back alive. <laughs> <laughs> send, send him in
4: like the canary,
0: yeah. The coal mine. Yep.
4: Yeah, yeah. So that could work. Yep. Yeah. So a lot of stuff I've been noticing posts on Facebook. Some people's flying fields have been shut down and stuff, and most yeah. of that's due to Sydney ordin- city or county ordinances. Yeah, uh, that's what they said at Birmingham. The, I guess the. Town they're in or whatever um, it was not allowing groups of over twenty five to meet, so they had to postpone. I don't know about Cajun and some of the others. I think that's also what happened at Torches, is the the town said we can't do any yeah. events during this time.
1: And I mean, and um, with Torches, it sucks, that- but it makes sense. Yeah, and with Torches, like their field is like dead center in the town of okoy so it's like you know the no location <laughs> and stuff and um it's actually interesting today when i went to home depot like they were only allowing literally 50 people in the store at a the time they counted people and as they walked out they would let one person back in you know oh, like, wow yeah so I, I thought that was very interesting yeah this is right here in ledgewood kevin i, know, like I was, was wondering
0: if they were going to do that yeah
1: so uh, yeah uh, let's see. What else do we have? Come on, give us better news. Let's get some new products, huh? You know, I, was looking,
4: I forgot to put a link.
1: I'm looking for
4: it. what I write down there?
1: Flex Innovation. 90 mil, is it?
3: Yeah, the F100. Yes.
1: The F100 Super Saver. Yeah, We're not seeing it on the right
3: side. It really looks good. Yeah. David, uh, David, what's his last name with Flex? Uh,
4: David Ribb? Yeah.
3: yeah. I tell you, you know, he, they turn him loose now. I tell
2: you,
3: he, uh, <laughs> he's a, a major MiG fan. I'd like to see him do uh MiG 15. But, um, the F100 looks good. I'd say that's one I'll probably end up with.
1: Mm-hmm. Which, which team?
3: Oh, Southeast Asia. Vietnam. Yeah, no.
5: Yep. Yeah. SEA, ca- SEA camel.
3: Yeah. I've it. got one. I've got a fly fly that's got all three wing stuff in it. I put, uh, I put, um, like all F4 phantom stuff in it. The retracks, nose gear, uh, fan, ESC. And, um, I'm doing it up in a Southeast Asia scheme, but, but still it, um, you know, has the big gawky looking panel lines and stuff on it, but. But, uh, yeah, that uh, that new one looks really nice. Yeah. I'd give it to them. They, they did a really good job on it.
4: Yeah, it looks cool. I'm sure, it'll fly well. Most of their stuff does. You
3: mm-hmm. know, they, they've yeah. got really the only gyros that I look like in an airplane. I, I'm i kind of like Alpha. I just don't, I, I'd rather not have any, or if I've got one in it, I don't want to notice it at all. Yeah. If I'm flying in an airplane. And um, that's like my little Mamba. And I've had, I've had the flex jet, um, two or three Mambas, uh, some of their other, uh, high wing stuff. But, um, I, that's what I do like about their stabilization. You just don't notice it as much. Yeah. That
4: aura eight is, is a really good system. Yeah. It's never in yep. your way. Right. Right.
5: Yeah. You don't want to fight it. You don't even want to know it's there.
4: Exactly. Yeah. Sweet. But this is, uh, $509.99 is the list price. Yeah. Special it's price. Uh, 45.7 inch wingspan, 1,162 millimeters, 55 and a half inches long. That's 1,410 millimeters. I'm saying the weight, seven pounds, 13 ounces. Flies on a 6S, 4,000 to 6,200 milliamp hour. Mm. So. Um, It looks cool. No doubt about it.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah, it does.
5: And a good video of it flying at Florida Jets uh, over the weekend, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was.
4: Let's see. What else do I have here? Oh, yeah. Arrow Panda. Oh, yeah. So the buffer pack that I ordered, mm-hmm. Steve, I think you ordered some. Yep. I ordered two myself.
0: I ordered one. Nice. nice. While we were. Chatting. one, don't you have two alleys? But I have one already.
5: <laughs> okay, yeah. these have those giant, they're like 20 farad caps, or are they, are they 25 50, farads?
4: There's 350 three farad. farad caps yeah. in the wall, and, and the other one has 325, the smaller yeah. one. This is pretty okay. big,
1: but um, they work, they will keep a, a heli, you know, yeah. in control. Oh, for, uh, Right, I've tested
4: and I can get about forty-five seconds usually, and that's moving the servos a good bit. Yeah. So thirty to one minute, thirty seconds to one minute. I mean, depending yeah. on your power setup, but definitely enough you can land your heli or auto rate to. This is auto. on the try fifties, though, right? Not on, not on the yeah, 20s. on the try 50. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah, that's so it. It's actually made in the same place and it's the exact same unit as as I understand it as the R two prototyping one that we've all been mm-hmm. using.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: People've been asking about that. Yeah. I mean, the R two prototyping has went uh went out of business or left or done something. They disappeared. Yeah. So this is the same unit being made in the same factory. And it's now labeled as first, like the number one ST. Mm-hmm. And they're also making some blades, and I'm not sure what else they're going to do. Oh, cool. So, it's basically the same unit as the R2 prototyping.
0: Yep. Yeah, I'm glad somebody came up with this. Yeah.
3: How much do they run?
4: They're fifty-five
1: dollars.
0: Fifty
3: bucks.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I would say, George, you should get a couple for your scales especially your bigger yeah. birds in case your bc fails you have this buffer pack to help you land
2: yeah yeah yp
5: had a similar setup a few years ago but or 10 years ago now but it's it's these are so much better and they're, they're gigantic yeah 50 firehead caps i mean that's,
1: that's a lot of juice in there yeah a that's a
5: lot, a lot of juice I used to have like a, a, a gang of um, 18 of them or 20 of them because you can get the um, the smaller the microfarad mm-hmm. uh, or the, the, the millifarad caps you know off of uh, newwork.com for example mm-hmm. but no this setup is going to be save a lot of birds will. yeah it matters mm-hmm.
4: yeah and I saw some people uh, somewhere talking about the like you could just get a board and some caps and make this yourself because it's way too expensive but Mm, you can do that but the problem is is this board is not just a board tying these caps together it actually has circuit that measures the voltage when you plug in your battery and then sets this thing to come on at a half a volt less than that so Mm -hmm. and it has to have uh, a circuitry to charge the cap slowly Mm -hmm. and then be able to discharge them yeah, you need to have a, a
5: gate that just bursts so it all up. It's, yeah, it's
4: not just uh, a breadboard with uh caps no. hooked to it in series. No, no,
0: definitely not. Dude, you blow those caps right up. You have to yeah. be able to control it. Yeah. Somehow. Well, it be it some sort of some
5: logic gate in between you.
0: Yeah. 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 So there's a little
4: more to it than just caps. So but I definitely uh recommend these. And dude, how unit. long
0: have people been wanting these? If you could make it yourself, how why haven't you done it yet? You know? Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, they were I mean, out for was, a while.
2: Yeah.
5: Yeah. George, was, you've got our A ten right still? Or did <laughs> did Charlie oh, kill it?
3: No, uh, I've got mine. He uh when he hit me I
5: was in one of the uh E flight Corsairs. Okay. So the, 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 uh, go uh, the A10's got, in our ESC, we have a cat bank. So same setup, just theirs is much, these are larger helos, so much larger juice. Mm.
2: Right.
5: Ooh.
4: Ooh. Oh, like a backup power system thing? Essentially.
5: Yeah. We, oh, we, okay. we do it for two reasons. One, the voltage ripple, uh, extant All between right. that long mm-hmm. of, yep. of wire. It's a long fuselage. And then also just to give you a little bit of, man, again, they're, they're nowhere near 3x50 farad. <laughs> Okay, uh, okay. But, but it is—it's uh, just enough where it'll buy you the five or six seconds or so um, brownouts, anything you need to just recover. Yeah,
1: Any type of is, dips in the voltages, yeah. beeps okay, okay, gotcha. There, gotcha.
5: to uh-huh. smooth it out.
1: And that's yeah. the, another reason why I like these over like uh, battery backup guards is that it does do some of that for you on your flybrows unit and, and your receiver. So, yes.
5: and it's doing that throughout the flight, you know, not just yes,
1: when it, exactly. Not, not,
5: not, when it's a, you know,
4: and if you right, if your BEC <laughs> fails, your ESC <laughs> fails, or I mean,
2: mm-hmm.
4: you can even run them with a receiver pack. Some people run them on nitros and stuff. If your battery lead comes undone or whatever, <laughs> yeah, it will give you enough time to land.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, not even that. Um, I, ever since that, when I, when I, uh, crashed my N7, um, and I didn't have a buffer pack or anything, but I, I chicken danced because I couldn't hit the throttle hole because it jetted the receiver pack. Oh yeah. So the throttles just wide open, and you know, obviously blew the motor. But if I had something like this, which I do nowadays, um, you know, you can just <laughs> cut it.
4: Of course, you also to utilize this, you need oh, an alarm yeah. telemetry.
1: Yes. And you, you do need have to. <laughs> to have the wherewithal to set it up ahead of time. So. Yeah. 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 Even if you're if it's a brand new helicopter and you're like. Let me. I'll do that first. Once I break the motor in, no, no, no. Just make sure you do it during the setup because you know.
0: Which I did here on my six ninety this weekend. I have a battery pack that's going, and uh, oh yeah, yeah, I heard it, and I was like, okay, time to land. Yeah. So there's some news from Mikado
4: that was supposed to be released at Rotor Live, and. So I'm real? having trouble finding any info about it anywhere. I
1: feel like it's fake news. <laughs> fake news. I mean, Mikado so
4: videos and stuff, but
1: OMP so Hally? I don't know. There's
4: this logo 200, which appears to be a rebranded OMP Hobbies M2 with a mm-hmm. different frame. I guess it comes like bind and fly with a mini Neo or Neo Mini or some something. I don't know. And they've, don't know. they've released a bunch of live videos, but as I've said before, I'm not going to sit through your live video if you don't put some info on your website. I just, I'll never know about it.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, even then it's a live video actually like them showing you stuff or flying or anything. Or it's just like, here's the logo 200. I don't, a and
4: it was a I don't have camera. an hour to sit and watch a live yeah. video about stuff. Yeah. So anyway, there's the logo 200 that I can't find any information about on the website anywhere. And then there's a Neo Mini. And I've not been able to find out anything about that. Do you know, Steve, anything about it? I do Kevin, not. Kevin, you guys fly Neos?
1: Well, I see uh, an OMP hobby M two. Did you talk about that? No, I mean that that's a helicopter that's out there. Like that's it's yeah. been around. Okay. It's been around for a little while, but um, This, I don't, to me, if it's not on their website and yeah. not on anything, I didn't see on I, to me, yeah, it's not on Mikado's uh, German site or their USA uh, version. Uh, to me, I think this is, you know, an early April Fool's joke. I don't know.
0: Could be.
4: Eh, I doubt they would be go through the trouble to make hours and hours of videos for a joke. But I still don't understand why they can't put a blurb out on a or some info up on the Just, website
0: yes sense. well you know what'll happen they'll do it tomorrow after we're done recording <laughs> yeah yeah That's usually what happens sure.
4: but yeah, i think i heard in. something about a, a neo mini and a, a new firmware for the neos some different stuff so i don't know be
1: interesting to see the uh the new neo firmware um yeah you know i think i think i think updating keeping uh keeping it fresh is good um Long as it works
4: so i guess stay tuned for that maybe yeah
1: <laughs> i just i can see mikado going with a, a company like omp um not that there's anything wrong with omp but like they would just i thought they would just develop their own if they were to you know not rebrand someone else's like i just i don't I know. guess
4: they're looking for a small like ready to fly small heli that will work with the v control fly.
1: I, guess. I, I mean know. just make the mini V-bar And then you can do that on any blade heli right Yeah you know, Like small blade heli like a 180 or something Yeah. Alright yeah, uh,
4: Last cool. thing here is Our 5th annual Freefall RC Heli Fest The dates are May 29th through the 31st At Allen's Airport in South yes. Southampton S- Southampton Southampton Southampton, Southampton, Planker,
1: New Jersey. Planker needs to get those dates right. Yeah, Um, it's sanctioned. It's all ready to go. Um, It's in May, so should not have any um, issues with the COVID or anything like that. Uh, I am working on a flyer, so hopefully, I'll have a flyer up uh, by the time this episode is released. We're just waiting on the government to shut us down. <laughs> it's all right because you know they said no groups of uh, more than fifty, and uh, it's about fifty people that show up, so we're good.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah,
3: it's it's on it's on the webpage, right? Uh,
1: no, not yet. <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't built, uh, Yeah, the two years ago, fact <laughs> I didn't put last year's at all. Um, I because I don't have a flyer, I'm not. I haven't put it on the website. But as soon as I get that flyer, like I said, I'll probably have it done in the next couple of days. I'll put it on our website and actually. Maybe do some work on our website because I still got to add George on the on the uh, the po- uh, the podcast crew page, yeah. Um, so and get some pictures of George and stuff to put up there. So, yep, yep. will take a look. You see Andy's? You don't look like he's happy to be. There. <laughs> but, uh, he got his terrible bushmaster. He's just like, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Is that it, or do we have anything else? Does Alpha have anything he can? Potentially is coming over to boat or something that he can talk about? Um, Some coming
5: over on boats. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, We, well, that depends. When is this going live?
2: This Uh, this
1: Friday.
5: Okay, so if you listen to this, Mm -hmm. if it's Thursday, you'll want to get to Motion RC Live by 12 noon Eastern. If it's already Friday, you're
2: late. <laughs> but they can catch
5: it on the YouTube channel, right? Yeah, you can catch us on the YouTube channel. Uh, if we do this thing right, people will be talking about it. So um,
4: nice.
5: I think that's all I have to say about that.
4: Big announcement.
6: <laughs> Maybe.
5: Okay. Um, we like to uh, we like to stay busy, as you told. If anyone still listens to this after three and a half hours, gosh, thank you. <laughs> i don't know how you did it but um although that planker stuff was really funny we if you can't tell we we love what we do we're always moving and um hey it's been two weeks since we announced something so yeah time for something
1: else the... cool <laughs> all right. okay all right so let's move it on to what's next for you in the hobby what's next for you steve uh i'm flying on sunday most likely but uh I might actually be meeting up with um, the Diamantes. I haven't hung out with Chris in a while. Chris huh. and his dad Mike and Dolores. So um, I might either go up to their way, uh, which is in like the the Hudson Valley, New York area, or depending on this whole thing, maybe you know we'll meet halfway, like in Rockland County or something. So um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see uh, what this weekend holds for us, but I definitely want to go flying, so even if he can't make it, I'll probably then just go to my club field and, and fly, with, you know. Even if I'm flying by myself, I'll have fun. Nice. Well, what about you, Kevin? Uh, I'm going to be driving to West Virginia
0: to uh, fly. No, I'm only <laughs> kidding. I'm, I'm going to go... Uh, hopefully, you're going to go down Sunday, because Saturday is supposed to be a little windy, uh, okay. a nicer day, but um, I think I'm going to try Sunday. I don't know. It depends. It depends on what's going on with the family and i we mm-hmm. haven't been getting together which is shocking because the few times always get together you know sunday right. and
2: mm-hmm.
0: but uh yeah it's just crazy times right now so i'm not sure what's gonna happen okay oh and i i have uh, my old bixler too that i don't fly anymore i might be giving that to one of our club members or somebody i don't know
1: oh yeah I got, Good. Just- and i got this big brown box here i forgot to mention uh, i forgot to say yeah i'm gonna work on this thing too the what is it again what did i buy a qq extra 300 g2 yep Night version open that box yeah maybe should i do an unboxing should i do an unboxing facebook live yeah maybe i'll do that tomorrow for lunch or something just don't don't bother (laughs) why bother he said no don't bother he said
2: Uh,
0: just make sure your boss isn't watching like Eh, you're supposed to be working
1: Hey, it's my lunch break.
0: You can't tell me what to do on my You're lunch break. To be working, Jack.
1: <laughs> awesome. All right. What about you, Andy?
4: I'm going to try to build this willy-nilly kit. Nice. And I got yeah. a bunch of helis to wrench on. I've got to dig out this E5 I bought at, well, gosh, like months and months ago.
1: Yeah, to chill out. It crashed.
4: Yeah, I got to look it over and see what it needs, if it needs any parts ordered and this and that. Start getting it fixed up. Uh, Probably put that pinion in the whiplash. Oh, so help me God.
1: (laughs) What is it, like six weeks into work? (laughs) Six weeks into making? Six months. Six months. Six
0: months. Uh,
4: Now I don't want to do it because it... Aggravates Kevin, so I just want to mention <laughs> it every week.
0: It aggravates me to no end.
4: Yes. <laughs> oh well. Yeah, nah, that's pro- that's enough. I got plenty <laughs> to do.
3: Yeah. All
1: right, what about you, George?
3: Well, I need to start getting ready for uh you know the the show season. Mm-hmm. Washing vehicles, getting the bomber R V cleaned up. I- you know, our power's been off all evening. So I've been sitting out here and it's the generator running. It reminds me it uh, it uh needs a good clean. And, uh, but just, you know, getting all of our tables, our power cords, all the things we hang our banners with, mm-hmm. um, we'll set up a, we had an issue at the, not on the fall with a couple of planes getting stolen. I think mostly it's because I wasn't there. That's when I was sick, but, uh, you know, you give them that stare, they won't come around and mess with you much, but, um, we're going to set up a camera this time and kind of have a live <laughs> live feed going into the bomber RV.
4: George does have an ominous stare.
3: <laughs> yeah. I don't care the 10 it's the put it. there. I don't care to put it on them, too, but if I catch somebody in there stealing like that, that's just, that's just, uh, I, that really surprised me. STV, that tank, George. Yeah.
4: Yeah, shoot him in the ass with that. Yeah.
3: Yeah do some of that you know i've got i've got so many helicopters to finish up i've got i've got like three big ones that's probably anywhere between 50 and 85 percent ready i've got uh, a couple i'm building for motion that um one's ready to fly actually actually two are flying and one is is getting pretty close so we'll be having those at uh the events and um probably you know down at the Dalton event that Daryl Sprayberry does uh the southern scale challenge Uh, we'll start taking taking some of those but um I guess just you know really hunkering down and trying to finish up some helicopters and in between working at home and trying to keep from getting this virus my wife works at the health department so that's going to be interesting Mm. but um yeah, that and just um, working around here, getting ready for our summer events we have, spring and summer events we have here at Tired Iron. we got those trees cut, like I mentioned before, and got a lot of cleanup to do from that. We'll have plenty of firewood for all the campfires at night, but um yeah, things are coming together good. I'm really looking forward to this year. I think uh, once we get past this, uh, these next few weeks, that hopefully, um hopefully it'll be a just a really big. Uh, people be tired of being cooped up, and things will just explode. Yeah, in a good way. In a Hopefully. Good way. Yep. Yeah, that's about it for me. What about you, Alpha? All top secret stuff.
5: <laughs> yeah, all top secret stuff. I'm trying to finish up. Um, speaking of personal projects, I'm trying to finish up a submarine. Um. Yeah. Finicky things. It used to be a big RC. Uh, Warship combat guy in the 90s and sort of got away from it once I moved away from ponds and stuff. But I'm trying to finish this, uh, I'm trying to finish up a Type 9 uh, submarine. Nice, uh, 55 incher. Hopefully, frame. I can put it up, put it in the water in the next, uh, week or so. Um, and hopefully it goes down and then comes back up. If it does, <laughs> I'll be happy.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, I heard you. Three... Want... Oh, sorry, go ahead.
5: I was just wondering, was it a three D printed? Set? Uh, no, it's an old, it's an old old kit become new again. It's been recently retooled. It's a one forty eight scale type type seven, not type nine. I'm thinking Spitfires, so it's a good old type seven C U boat hmm. um, from yeah. World War Two. And oh, so, yeah, uh, yeah it, more so because I like the type and more in a coolest like. Uh, typhoon guy but um you know growing up in hawaii working at pearl harbor i I would drive past the sub base every day so always sort of loved always loved subs um and never had the cash or the tech to really be able to put one underwater and have it come back up again more than a couple times i lost a couple of subs but this one with the watertight container the wtc i've got in i think it'll work well and the biggest thing I like about it is it's 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 a good size. Um it's a good size and you know George I like to paint stuff so I'm a, I'm a weathering sort of guy. So type sevens are perfect weathering candidates and oh, this yeah. one actually has provision to fire torpedoes. Um they never end up working as cool as they think, but I think that's more of a that's that's a that's a later project for me. For the next couple of weeks it's gonna be finish the sub, put it in the water. Bring it back and I'll be happy.
0: That's emotional. Oh, and make sure
5: means. that thousands of people still have jobs, you know, that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, the little stuff. Yeah,
2: the little stuff.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I was telling we were talking about it on Hobby Squawk or something the other day after these tanks came out and the the other um, ground equipment and stuff. I said, you know, if they start making subs and, and boats I, I, I'm, I'm ruined. I mean, there's, there's no retirement. There's no, you know, <laughs> I'm going I'm to be having to sell
5: blood and. It'd
4: be
2: over, <laughs> yeah. Well, it will be over there
3: digging a lake in the
4: backyards. So you can I've got a boats around.
5: I need to make you an amphibious carrier, George. And you can land your, your, get a sea stallion or a couple of H6s or something. And you do your, your Hilo, your Hilo amphibious uh, incursion from one of our, from a, from an aircraft carrier. Or a helo carrier, at least. Yeah. One of these days. Well, chop down that pole, get your, get your power line buried. If people still want to play <laughs> limbo, you can always put one up temporarily. You know, put some LEDs and some razor wire on it or something. If, if, you, were, <laughs> if you were
2: here
3: and saw the layout <laughs> of the airfield, you'd realize that, that that power line is no big deal. It's only when you're trying to be... Only a problem when you hit it yeah yeah it's yeah. just like you know when you the see the tree's that red only red there eye. when it kills your airplane Yeah, yeah but uh-huh. you see that red eye on the stove and you know you're, stick, you're getting ready to stick your finger on it Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things but yeah every time I've hit it I've been doing crazy stuff the other day when I got my mamba Tim hung on it um, I was just going around the top wire you know just doing loops around it and uh but it did finally bounce off and But, yeah, it's not a big deal. Like I said, it it made us (laughs) semi-famous. I just want to see more
5: helicopters. No, Georgia, one day when I get that uh, Chinook in there, or that sea Stallion, in, I'll be happy.
3: Yeah. I had a request from several people about a 600-size Cobra. So uh, I think Tom's checking on that.
5: i want a chinook that's going to pick up a 105 mil howitzer oh that'd be cool yeah people saw my personal laundry list they'd think i'm an idiot you know i can i can never make the things i want to make but that'd be one of them
1: all right yeah all right so we'll do uh we do have a listener voicemail listener pipeline but we will do that the next episode also with the wrap-up, just because uh show has gone a little bit long and the wrap-up alone will probably take an episode. So I want to give uh, Alpha a moment, uh, a chance to um, share any contact info. If somebody wants to kind of ask you questions or maybe, you know, have some feedback they want to provide for a model that they've bought for MotionRC, uh, how would they do that?
5: Well, you're welcome to contact George Baker. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. no, um, post office, uh, <laughs> post office box. Yeah, I'm. I'm available typically at hobbysquawk.com. That's um, mm-hmm. form that Motion RC helps to sponsor. We talk about everything RC, not just the stuff that we make. But it's it, it's a numbers game. I just don't have the time or the access to, sure. to each every form that I'd like. So hobbysquawk.com is the best place you can see me. I'm also on Instagram now for as long as the VPN holds, at uh, alpha.makes. Um, you can always PM me on Hoppy Squawk or call any of us at MotionRC. We're never far away. We've got U.S. technicians in every time zone in America. We're also in Europe. So give us a call. We're can always we always happy to talk shop, 224 633 or just reach us at motionrc.com. Awesome.
1: Fantastic. Cool. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, so yeah We want to give a huge shout out For for um, coming on the show um, It's great to chat with you And get to know you uh, Definitely want you back on the show um, At a later date And share some more product info and stuff So yeah Yeah, we can talk about boats Thanks. Yeah
0: Are you boating oh, uh, guys
2: too? <laughs> no, no, but I really. heard you
0: on After Hours And it sounded intriguing The whole uh, warship mm-hmm. thing you were talking about Just amazing Oh
2: yeah Yeah. Yeah.
0: We'll talk. Anything we can do
4: where we can shoot each other, we're into it. Exactly.
5: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That can be arranged. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Sweet. Good deal. Yeah. All right. So let me do the outro real Thank quick. You. All right. So drop us an iTunes review and read the review In the next episode. Email us at freefarsi at gmail Like us on Facebook, facebook.com dot podcast. Check out our webpage, freefarsi podcast show. Say hi to Chris. Hey Chris. Flight Test Forums, Off the Field Audio and Video Production, and Flight Test Podcast, Freefarsi Podcast. Say hi to David Hill, aka Hill the Flyer. Hey Dave. Hi
2: hey,
1: David Hill. <laughs> Give a huge shout out to all our fellow podcasters. We have the Helly Heads Podcast. Uh. That's those three guys. I don't know. That's a bunch of heads. Those three guys. (laughs) More than one. Yeah. Uh, Tell Rotor Podcast.
0: Not to be confused with those four guys.
1: Four guys. Four heads. BKRC Podcast. That's those two guys, Bert and Kyle. Uh, RC Roundtable. There's three guys. Fitz, Terry, and Lee. Uh, High Voltage.
0: That's one dude, Bobby Watts. Skids up. That's five guys?
1: The place I go for lunch? I don't know. I don't
4: know. Four guys.
2: Four guys. She's in front.
1: <laughs> uh, Inverted down under.
0: That's the upside down guys, Ozzy Mazi, and Jeff.
1: Smart. A M A podcast. That's what Matt Rodick. All right, and make sure you check out our friend Billian YouTube channel. We're not sure if he's a guy, but check him out, Billian. Yeah, Bill's mom
0: says oh, definitely need to check it out. Bill's mom says,
1: oh, man. Why are you guys so hard on, the, on my son William? He's such a good kid. <laughs> All right. Thanks to our listeners. <laughs> thanks, Alpha, again. <laughs> Free us, guys. And we'll see you next time. All right. See ya. <laughs> All right. Bye. All right, guys. Awesome. I, I hate to see a,
0: a wet blanket, but I didn't got him on.
5: It's just not now. Has, has uh, anyone yeah. been out to Asia? Anyone on the call been out to any uh, production site in Asia?
1: No. No, I would love to take any type of tours. It doesn't have to be helicopters or, you know, it could be batteries. It could just be motors or electronics in general. All that stuff would yeah. be fantastic. It's
5: one of the reasons why I moved out to China, it's just uh, you can live and breathe this stuff, which is fascinating. All
0: right. Um, the closest I've been is Chinatown, New York, Canal Street. That's
2: about it. <laughs> it's probably I'm not, not that, that far.
5: Here. You know, I'll tell you what, the food's definitely better there, in New York <laughs> Chinatown, than it is here. <laughs> really.
1: I thought. Well, I was. I went. to Beijing um, several years ago, and I I thought the food was fantastic because it wasn't like that American style Chinese food. It was more like home cooking Chinese food. You know, at least True. that's the way yeah, I took there's,
5: it. There's no sugar in it. That's for sure.
1: I don't know
0: about George, though. I don't know if he's ever going to make it. He's, no. He's told us a couple of states over is a little uncomfortable. Six hours back. <laughs> I, I can't it's imagine six foot three George in China, in China feeling too at home.
3: Yeah. Oh, you're he, not. I don't think you'd let me carry a 1911 on my side over there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably not. No. Probably.
5: <laughs> I mean, maybe a G18 or something if you tuck it in. I don't know.
1: <laughs> but, um, <laughs> give
5: you a Derringer That's- or something, George. <laughs> Have you done podcasts on location at events in the past?
1: Yeah, yeah we've yep. done several. <laughs> yeah, we'll try to do some small ones usually here and there. It just it kind of gets difficult sometimes, but um. Yeah, we drag the stuff it's to just Urgent. Not the best.
0: Yeah, and uh, and Fredericksburg once. Mm-hmm. I the hell, he's over Delaware. We did Rochester? Oh yeah, Rochester. we did Delaware. Yep. Yeah. And our, our own event. We have a, a Heli Fest that we do every year.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, really that goes, Tell me that more. goes pretty good. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> like a lot of fun. It's actually I think it, all this stuff we're talking about is really great stuff we should put it on, the, on show. the show. We should start yeah. this show and, and so we can talk about this. Because I love all these questions you're asking us. I think it's great to um, for someone who's not very familiar with the show to ask these questions and, and kinda of get this stuff out again.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. Hey, but before <laughs> we get started. Did any of you guys hear the hiss that one of our listeners
1: was talking about? I don't know. I think it's my, I'm guessing it's my mic. I don't know. I didn't hear it. And I listened to, I
2: don't
1: know, maybe it was, I
0: don't know. I'm not going to change anything then. It might be one of
4: those guys that's using high-end audio equipment. Yeah, which is. Which is a huge mistake. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You don't want to hear our voices on anything (laughs) high-end or expensive (laughs) shit. Just like seeing me (laughs) in
0: 4K, no. You don't want that either. <laughs> you want me at VHS 4K and extreme level. close up. Yeah. yeah. You don't even want Super VHS. P. You just want me on a postage stamp. You want a Betamax? Yeah. Betamax. A postage stamp. 640 by 480.
2: That's
0: it. Yeah, yeah. yeah.